Hello and welcome to You Ought to Know, the third show called You Ought to Know on iTunes, but also the best one. It's not the highest rated, but maybe it will if you, you know, stepped your pussy up and actually rated this. With me, I have a very special guest, and by very special, I mean extremely special. I'm being nice today, so enjoy it. With me is Danny of the Wondercast and Rebel Order Pod. Say hello, Danny. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm very good. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm excited. So you might notice that I have a replacement Grace with me. <laughs> That's right, I substitute Grace. Exactly, Grace is dead. <laughs> killed by... T- <laughs> killed by you weren't t- supposed to tell them! <laughs> well, I don't know the exact line, but let's just... I'll see how much I can remember. Murdered by those thieves. Was it Was it Tobias Beckett? What's the line? <laughs> What's the line from Sailor? Oh, oh my gosh, I can't remember. Oh, no. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I when do, Kira's I, like, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I get, I get, I know. I guess dimly. Yeah, that line. Just look that it up. One. Just look yep. up Solo's script. <laughs> anyway, so... Since uh, Grace, my nemesis slash co-host, has disappeared, she's run away from me, never to be seen or heard from again. She'll never learn how to play the valor chord. I (laughs) I brought Danny on to talk about a topic that I only ever tweet about these days, and it's made Twitter so much better for me. And that is Star Wars, specifically Raylo and Ben Demption. Mm, Exciting. So if that sounds terrible turn off this podcast but put it on mute and then leave it playing so just so we get the play count and then still give us a five-star review because this is the best podcast you've ever listened to isn't it Donny? this is where you say yes sarah yes absolutely yeah. absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. you've never listened to anything as good as you ought to know hosted by grace and absolutely sarah all right so. so we're gonna get uh get into this because uh Danny is a little bit poorly and there's always something wrong with me so that's all right (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm just a senior citizen living in a a body that's supposed to be 24 years old it's fine (laughs) maybe in the afterlife I'll know peace (laughs) one day yes you'll wake up when you're 70 and you'll be like I have all the energy in the world now oh (laughs) <laughs> now I'm dead. <laughs> also murdered by Tobias Beckett, <laughs> who came back from the dead specifically to murder me. Exactly, exactly. He's vengeful. Yeah, I mean, I guess Danny has to watch out now because she's technically a guest co-host uh, for this one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get quick into it. So Danny um, co-hosts the Rebel Order podcast with her husband, Mr. Stephen, 
right? <laughs> this is the yes, yes, yes. I I had a feeling that I misremembered his name. I was like, no, that's his name. That's no, his name. I listened. Uh, they recently did a great episode on um, the Millennium Falcon and what it represents. Danny's husband theorized that the Falcon is going to be destroyed. I think it's going to go to Benny Boy Solo, but we're going to get into that, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay, so we'll start nice and simple. How did you get into Star Wars? Now, I, so I, I read this question, and I realized that Star Wars has been such a huge part of my life that I can't even remember the exact moment it became a part of my life because it happened so early. I mm. just, as a kid, it's just like I always knew these movies. And I always, I can't remember the first time I ever saw the original trilogy but i watched it over and over and over again as a kid i still have the original vhs tapes with no special edition anything Lucky on it yeah i will never part with them <laughs> they are like precious to me um and yeah i just have i don't know i think my family we've always been into science fiction fantasy you know i was watching the old Beauty and the Beast TV show with Ron Perlman and uh, what's her name? Sarah Connor, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm Termi- just finding from out. Terminator 2. Oh, shoot. I can't remember off the top of my head, but she played Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Okay. Uh, I know Ron Lind- Perlman, but yeah, that's it. He's moved up in the scale of guys with uh, with gruff, white yeah. guys with gruff faces. Now William H. Macy is... Uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> involved in all that. But do carry on. Ron Perlman's like the only guy that looks sexier in makeup than out of it. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things that he was a very sexy beast. The Beast, uh, Beauty and the Beast was a TV show, like early 90s, late 80s. And it was like a modern urban retelling of the Beauty and the Beast story. And he mm. lived under the ground in like the sewers. And she like came from above. And they were like very, it's a lot of intense staring at each other and, you know, long looks and stuff shit. like that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, so I've always been into sci-fi fantasy because of my family. And I, get, I think that's just how it's been since, you know. That is a better story than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um See, uh, growing up with two Asian parents from two different Asian cultures, the primary uh, pop culture in in, um, our household was Bollywood and um, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of uh, Englishy Western stuff because there was a lot of kissing. (laughs) I mean we did watch it but you know we had to be selective. In these past years you know in my teenage years and my tween years I spent a lot of time catching up on what I missed out on but um, one in particular when my parents divorced and my mum obviously got her own place she bought the original trilogy on dvd and that was in 2005 and she bought the original trilogy on dvd not because she was a particularly uh fun fan of star wars it's just because she was thirsty for harrison ford (laughs) that's That's a very good reason oh no i i don't blame her i mean I, i i did tell her i was like yeah he's hot and she's like you can't like him i said why she said it's weird for a mother and daughter to like the same guy i said okay I won't thirst after Harrison Ford anymore for your sake. My mother would disagree with you. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny because I grew up, I moved to America when I was five. I grew up in Trinidad for the first yeah. few years of my life. So I was actually exposed to 
a lot of Western things and also Bollywood movies. Like, so yeah. we, we used to watch those on like Saturday afternoons. We would watch, I remember seeing on the same, on the same TV Jaws and I cannot remember the Bollywood movie. I just know that they were running in the hills you know, one of those very classic, like, Switzerland films. Yeah, that's a lot of them. I think Switzerland <laughs> yeah. was giving them some sweet tax breaks at Yeah, the time. exactly. Yeah, no, so yeah. I watched, I, so I, I've always been into, um, to, so yeah, just because where, where I grew up in Trinidad, we had an exposure, kind of the mix of the Western and the Eastern, because, you know, there's a lot of, it's a huge Indian population in Trinidad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, my mom, uh, one of her friends is uh, Guyanese Indian, and he introduced her to one uh, Trinidadian Indian singer called Sundar Popo. Are you familiar with him? No, no, no. Oh, but like, sometimes when I watch his, I'm going to link you. Uh, okay. His lyrics are very, very satirical and uh, uh, kind of silly. It, mm-hmm. It's chutney music, but uh, I like the comments because it's literally full of Trinidadian people and Guyanese people fighting over which country's better. <laughs> yeah, I love right. that. Yeah, I love that. I love those wars. Because I don't think, because, you know, everyone hates Britain. It's not as fun <laughs> when you... <laughs> Exactly. over here you'll yeah always, exactly. you'll always lose the argument because everyone's like yeah no we hate britain we just hate yeah britain. exactly it's not like some friendly like neighborhood rivalry is it you know like between the dutch and uh, and the yeah. belgians and stuff but yeah so that's my only exposure to, to trinidadian culture unfortunately how did you get into star wars fandom because i feel like those two things can either be really intertwined or completely separate this is a story i'm always interested in hearing about I definitely think yeah as a especially as a woman in this fandom i i think it is separate because mm. I, i've always I, I think it depends on on where you come from and and what happened but i remember that i loved star wars but i never loved the fandom as much until the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. and i i just i tried but it always felt and i, and I always listened to my my best friends who told me about uh, my best girlfriends who actually read some of the Legends books and really enjoyed them, but I could never really get into some of them because they were way more into science fiction than I was, and I always thought the EU books were way more science fiction than science fantasy, right. in my opinion. So it was harder for me to get into that, but I I kept it very much with, like, I loved the movies. I rewatched The Return of the Jedi a million times, I watched the prequels. I didn't love them as much. <laughs> you know, I was a little disappointed. Um, but I still cried at Revenge of the Sith. I was still very emotional about it. And I loved having discussions with my mom because my mom was actually the one who like woke me up to like, no, this is a beautiful story about the fall of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi failed. And like, she was the one that first really introduced me to the idea of like meta narrative and exploring Star Wars in that way. Um, but I wasn't truly the way I am now with with 50 tweets a day and writing meta and, you know, fan fiction until The Force Awakens, until, and really heavily until The Last Jedi. And I don't know, I guess it just, there was just, I'm a huge sucker for romance. And Mm -hmm. I think that I was too too young for the Han Leia romance to really be something that captured me, you know, heavily. And the prequel romance was disappointing to me in, in terms of how it was executed. But this, you know, what's going on now in the sequel trilogy just intrigued me, just got me to no end. And I just also think, frankly, having a female lead 
having so many new characters, characters of color, and like like people like Enfys Nest that like look like kind of like me <laughs> the yeah. first time ever, and I'm just like, oh look, you know, like, and so it's it's very. Um, I think yeah, I just I really started to get into fandom now because I found this amazing community of women. And when I was younger, my fandom was much heavier into Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Roswell. I was really into like CW shows um sci like science fantasy um science stuff like that on on like cw but yeah now i'm this is how i really got into star wars fandom was that primarily on tumblr at the time then when i first started to get into the fandom yes the first place i went was tumblr mm -hmm. when so like after the last jedi came out i basically didn't sleep that night i got <laughs> so excited I'm, I'm serious I, I was i was totally cracked out i was like oh we went to go see it the second time in a row. We stayed up till like four in the morning watching it twice. Oh my god, and, and that's a heavy movie. Yeah, my husband and I. And then I just came home and I was like, I need to talk to everyone about this right now. I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I can't function. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I was always so heavy into fandom as a kid. I was obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and so I loved to and i was i was always like the only one in my friends who were really into it so i had to go on the internet so back in the day old school was like fanforum.com and live journal you know that's what i was really into um and then it obviously tapered off you know time went on i moved on and so watching the last jedi i had like this kind of like pit in my stomach like it's happening again the, it's, it's that like, familiar feeling i feel it again the pull to the leg like, <laughs> like i really did i really felt that and i just kind of looked at my husband and i said i want you to understand something that for the next two years if you see me stare off into space and you ask me what i'm thinking about it's probably going to be star wars <laughs> i was like very clear it's like that tile of the creator tweet unfollow me now fuck this is all i'm gonna exactly, talk about for the next two weeks exactly a hundred percent that tweet even even you're telling your husband who you live with it, presumably I had, I, had to, I had to be like you have to understand this is going to become a problem and he's like it's not a problem this is awesome i'm excited and i'm like all right yeah because i saw you had a star wars themed um proposal right Yes, and a Star Wars wedding as and well. Yes, I saw your your bouquet. That was really cute. Yeah. No, I was just laughing when you were talking about TLJ because I felt like so similar. I did enjoy TFA and I saw like a lot of potential in it, but I think definitely the themes of TLJ just spoke to like something deep mm -hmm. within me and I was just like flabbergasted afterwards. I didn't know that Star Wars could be that. I know, yeah. I feel like I don't even have to articulate it because it's just that kind of post TLJ for the first time feeling that you will never ever get back in your life for exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> and you think about it sometimes like man I wanted to recreate that moment like Oh yeah. I saw it on my own. I was having like a pretty bad day. So I just like, oh you know, when I when I do have a bad day I like to go to the movies by myself. So I was like, okay, I'll go I'll go go see go see the new Star Wars then I guess. And um I have always liked Star Wars, but you know, I wasn't you know first day and uh, mm -hmm. you know into the fandom and whatnot I, I think I saw it about a week after it came out and I was a changed woman then I was like <laughs> just guess I'm a Raylo now <laughs> it, it, I, I think about 
about it like Star Wars was always kind of a part of my DNA, I guess, in a way, just because it was mm. always there. But it was sort of like a little background noise, you know? It never felt like it was at the forefront. And then when TLJ dropped, it was like, okay, that's it. This is what I'm focusing on. This is what I want to put my attention to because it's doing something amazing and I have to see where this goes and I have to, like, explore that. And it's incredible that out of the people that it did bring to the fandom, just just so many women yeah. responded in exactly the same way that you and I did of all ages. I mean, I, there's people, I don't know, five years older than me and 15 mm-hmm. years older than me um, who are all kind of still have so much to unpack in this movie. And it's incredible that how much it represents femininity and the struggles that it comes with, regardless of what age you are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How many 50 year old women do you see in leading roles like that in billion dollar movies it's, with exactly. action fig- figures, right? Exactly. And, and their friend, like Leia and Holdo's friendship as well. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, like the thing that TFA, you know, the thing that I most took away from TFA that captured me was the sight of Ray pulling the lightsaber out. I always cry every time because it, oh, it yeah. almost, it, it felt like that was the door opening and them saying, like, this is this is the time for women to mm-hmm. be the the Star Wars zeitgeist to be the cult, to be in the in the fantasy to be in the in the myth, you know. And then it was like Ryan Johnson was like, and it gets better. <laughs> and it just like just like he the door was open, he just like flew in. And he's like, it can get better, ladies. Here's him shirtless, like in oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, here's he's Leia, a- here's Holdo, here's Rose, here's like Ray. It's everybody. I know. You know, and here's all these like, symbols of like fertility and, and exactly. all the yoni <laughs> and the freaking smut hub. It still Ugh. blows my mind. And yeah. it, you know what blows my mind even more? That people don't read it as romantic. <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I know. It's because they don't read romance novels too. I think that's the other thing too. Is like when I say I love romance, since I was a kid, that's the other thing my mom got me into. She loved romance novels. My mom used to have an entire library of just romance novels, and I would steal them from her. I was too young to read them, but it didn't matter. I read them anyway. Yeah. I would, like, sneak all her historical romance books, and I was like, I have to read these. And I was just always so... Like, yeah, for me, it was an instant recognition of, okay, I know what this is doing. And I was like, but is it? It is. It is. And I just got more and more excited as it went on. I'm like, oh, the tropes, the tropes. <laughs> I know. Because they, they were saying so much in what appears to be so little. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love. I love those visual cues because, you know, I have ADHD. So with dialogue, I always have to keep skipping back because <laughs> I always miss lines and stuff. But when it's all visually represented, I'm really good at passing all of that because it's presented right in front of me That's but obviously great. a lot of people need that exposition i don't know maybe star wars trusted its audience too much <laughs> I, I think that you know ryan johnson is a he's such a beautiful filmmaker i've been a huge Gorgeous. fan of since brick mm. and he's an amazing visual storyteller you know and he's all i think He's so, yeah, you're right. He may have trusted the audience, but I don't think so, because I think that he spoke to the audience he wanted to speak to. You know, I, yeah. I feel like he always prepared himself. Maybe he didn't know how vitriolic it was going to get, but I think he had a suspicion that there were going to be people that were just not hearing it from this movie. But he Oh, was no, ready, absolutely, I agree. You know, and I think he and Kathy were ready to take that risk, mm-hmm. because it moving forward, 
this is the generation that's going to watch these movies and enjoy them and, and be there for them, you know? So I, I really, and yeah, just he's such a mass, and he loves to do noir films, and mm -hmm. noir loves to do a lot with very little dialogue, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of just visual cues, certain camera angles, the way, you know, you put things together. So he's, he's great at that. And so, yeah, he just totally knew how to just kill it with those. I totally agree. I don't demand any more exposition from him. I think it was it was absolutely perfect as it is in that regard. It's just it wasn't made for the dumb fanboys. It was made for us. So <laughs> it's us. <laughs> but yeah, with me, so like I was quietly obsessing over the movie for about six months afterwards. It was just I just kept thinking about it and. I had a Tumblr, but it's my what my professional Tumblr, so I don't post anything on there. It's mm -hmm. literally just to like host links to my work and stuff. And I would like go through the regular tag and the rail, and I found out what Meta was, and I would read like loads of Raylo Meta. Shout out to Oatsy and Ashes for Foxes, yes, yes. the OGs, <laughs> and. Um, I wasn't participating, but I was reading everything and like admiring the gifs and all the parallels and all, all this lovely fandom stuff. And I was like, no, I, like I, I've never really been that enthusiastic about something like this before. I just don't know. Something just clicked, man. It changed. It fundamentally changed me. Legit, that movie put me in therapy if it wasn't for that movie. I'm, no, seriously, because like I yeah. saw so much of myself in Ben. I was like, oh my God. That's oh my great. God, I need to go see a therapist. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so like it just like altered everything I thought I knew about myself and everything I will continue to know. So yeah, then I got, I signed up on Tumblr um, and, you know, started participating in the fandom. And then I was like, I don't want to keep this to Tumblr. I want to talk about it on my Twitter, even though it's a professional Twitter. <laughs> I don't care anymore because I'd spent so much of my life like so cynical and not really wholeheartedly loving anything. And this was the first way it felt like falling in love for the first time, which sounds so mm -hmm. fucking corny, but Ooh. that's the only way that I can describe it. And if I was you're just corny, like, I'm corny, hun, because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I love that you felt that way too. It's like, okay, I, we're not, I'm not the only I, one. I, I'm not the only cuckoo one here. And it's funny because I've, I've fallen in love before, you know? Like, yeah. like, I can't lie. Buffy the Vampire Slayer affected my life very deeply like mm -hmm. when it first came out. And I had never seen TV like that. I had never experienced anything like that. It was very influential to me. So I recognized that feeling of like, I'm falling in love with this. It's going to have a significant impact on me and what I do, and my time, and what I think about, and like, yeah, it just, that's what this did, and so yeah, I, I totally get it, I, I, it's, it doesn't matter if it's corny, it's real, like mm. it is, it is a love, it's a romance, you fall in love. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, you're just completely smitten by it, and the fact that, and besotted even, but the fact that, you know, this movie has been out for 15 months, 15 months now, mm -hmm. and we're still talking about it, and we're still unpacking it, and there is still so much left that I know that we haven't spotted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I love about the fandom as well, because it's all like we're kind of educating each other. There's some things that other people will spot and that will spot or whatever they post, it will, you know, kind of inspire someone else to think a bit harder about something and then add to it. It's just really, it's just really cool how collaborative it is as well in that regard, in, you know, in, in terms of analysis. It's true. And, and, and the thing is, too, I really love, because in this day and age, you know, movies are so everything is a franchise and a 
you know, a theme park, and and I understand Star Wars is no different in that regard. But at the same time, it still feels like the Star Wars franchise is still trying to make movies, mm -hmm. you know, and not just really long, expensive television programming. Yeah, not know? just products. They're, they're making yeah. art. Like, they're trying. Exactly. They're actually trying, and, 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 I, and I, I, I really appreciate that because it's like, that's it's so amazing to experience that in something with a movie because ex exactly I don't think a lot of people acknowledge like the beauty of like a good a well-made film and a well-made film can be a big budget movie or a small budget movie mm -hmm. and I just think you have to try to make that effort to like I'm going to make a movie and it's going to look like a movie and it's going to feel like a movie and it's going to have those themes that swell in you and affect yeah. you and I really appreciate why Ryan made a movie of a great movie it's not just great for a Star Wars movie, it's a great Star Wars movie and it's a great movie as well. And it just becomes better and better as it ages. And yeah. there are things that I might not have initially liked that I now completely understand and and just kind of feel like I know exactly what he was going for in that sense. What was the scene or moment that made you a Raylo? Okay, there's there's two scenes because there's the secret Raylo and then there's the overt Raylo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The se the secret Raylo was that interrogation scene. Oh, okay. When he took the helmet off, I was like, oh, and I didn't know what to think at first. I was like, okay, so this is because I thought, oh, he's gonna look like he's gonna be scarred. He's gonna be forty five years old. He's gonna be like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought he's gonna be an older dude. And when it pulled off and it looked young you know sort of a little at that you know princely looking but also a little geeky looking adam driver you know just because he's a he's meant to look younger mm -hmm. i was like oh i don't know what to think and then when he's doing the interrogation i'm like oh i don't know what to think something is going on yeah <laughs> but i i really didn't honestly think they were brave enough to do it i really didn't i yeah. thought she's she's gonna fall in love with finn it's gonna be very sweet and that's how they're gonna play this and that's okay with me i'll enjoy it you know whatever and, but I kind of always held the small flame, but it wasn't enough to take me. I looked at a couple things, but it wasn't enough to push me over the edge because I just didn't think that Disney would have the balls, and I just didn't want to have my heart broken. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I had been there already with like Sparabeth, all right, in Pirates of the Caribbean. I had been there. Okay, <laughs> my heart had been broken by uh, Jack Sparrow and Elizabeth Swan <laughs> back in the day, but um. So, but then in TLJ, the minute the first force, force bond happened, I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I was cleaning I'm my blaster, it went off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was, I was like, oh, they're, do, they're really doing this. Yeah. Because I, I, and actually, what's even funny is maybe even a little before that, when I saw the trailer, and I saw the hand moment. Oh, when he yeah. reached his hand out. I, first of all, I, my husband always regrets that he never recorded my reaction because I screamed so loud I woke up my entire household. <laughs> my father came out like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm sorry, it was Star Wars. I just looked up like, Star Wars. And That's I was like, That's enough of an excuse. <gasps> exactly. And I was like, oh my God, are they doing it? Are they doing it? Are they doing it? And <laughs> then I started watching like videos, Wayward Jedi videos, and I started reading meta, and I was like, they could do, they really could be doing it. And then from the minute the first force bond, and I knew that everyone like on Tumblr was right. I'm like, oh, it's happening. It's going on. This is happening. And that's, that was it for me. 
I think, yeah, I think same. The first, the first false one is definitely like, hmm, okay, there's something going on here. Ah, you do. I think, ah, you do. (laughs) Converted me. Ah, you do. Yep, you know it. Just the the soft. I was like, oh my God, you dumbass. You're trying to be all smooth and sexy. (laughs) And it kind of works, but also it really doesn't work. (laughs) He's trying. He's no, trying. I just, I just love when he's like, yes, I am. And she just looks so utterly confused. She's just like, Ugh. Yeah, because she wasn't and expecting I, him to I, say that. And that's what's so great about it. Like, all of our perceptions were completely... Um, exactly. Yeah, obliterated in that moment. And also with the slidey thing, it seems like a dumb detail, but it was just... Yeah. It's too adorable to make your villain do yeah. that. 100%. I completely... No, seriously, from... I was like, there's no way. You don't make someone who's meant to be scary and evil do that. You know? It's adorable. It's exactly. It's so cute. <laughs> he, like, that's not an evil. Darth Vader never slid across the floor like, huh? <laughs> he never tripped, you know? He never went like, oops, I knocked into this droid over here. No, like, he always looked menacing and terrible. And when he finally didn't, look what happened. They took off his mask and he looked like an old broken man and that was the whole point because mm-hmm. he was no longer evil in that moment. No. The movies are trying to tell you that he is not this evil monster. Like He's this little kid you know, stuck on this big star destroyer. He thinks he's big and bad, you know? And that's the thing. And he thinks he's a monster, not like, he's not trying to say i'm a monstrous villain he's saying i'm a monster look at the the horrible things that i have done it is too late for me to walk past you know to um move on from this this will forever exactly. taint my image and 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 my legacy and and my name you know i can never ever undo the things that i have done i am a monster and i she obviously sensed that as well mm-hmm. totally. yeah yeah and she was definitely confused, and, and I like that her face looks a little, like, sexually confused and also, like, emotionally confused. Oh, no, he's little... hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because she, she's a little like, why is that hot a little bit? But no, wait, no, 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 I don't want to feel bad for you. And It's so funny, because I, I do, I think that Ben knows, as being the son of, like, a politician, mm-hmm. I think he knows better than anyone that, like, those kinds of things will haunt you forever. Like, you can't you know what I mean? You can't escape them. Like, I, I think he really understands the impact of, like, running around the galaxy and at, and stabbing people and, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think, like, and I, I, I wonder, I still, you know, that's still the debate that we don't know. Like, did he get Leia's message in Bloodline? Oh, yeah. Yep. If you're familiar with it. Yeah. Did he ever get that message? And, you know, did she, what did she tell him? And did he from that even more kind of take that impact like i'll never be able to escape this because obviously what happened to leia in that book you know if it's okay to spoil it a little i think it's, it's i mean it's what through what four years old at this point yeah so, exactly yeah. you know basically like leia's entire political career is ruined mm-hmm. by finding out that she's the daughter of darth vader right so imagine for him to be like i'm the grandson of darth vader like they'll never forgive me for anything i do yeah, and at that point, he must have thought that he might as well lean into it. Exactly. I mean, Luke thought he was dark, Snoke thought he was dark, and Snoke could have been trying to seduce him, I don't know how, and I'm excited to find out. But he had nowhere else to turn at that point. 
And a lot of it, I think, because of the way Leia talks about Vader in that book. I mean, it has been a while since I read it. I think I last read it in August. You know, she says, like, I hate him. And she still hates him, despite knowing that he was redeemed. And despite, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell your sister you were right, which is the worst half-assed apology I've ever heard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, you were right. <laughs> yeah, you were right. You were right. Yeah, no, she, she never got to see that sickly old man that Luke got to see. She never got that. Yeah, you know? she never got that closure to forgive mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. So for her, it's just like like tainted, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I, I forgot, I think it was Blind Man Baldwin on Twitter who said it was like tragic comedy because I was, we were having, you know, as we do on Twitter, we always get into like little mini meta discussions, don't we? <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying that it, you know, from that... It, I kind of inferred that um, Ben was sent by the Force for Leia to forgive Vader in, in that sense. And arguably, it could it could explain some of the tumultuous nature of the galaxy and of the, of the greater war at hand, since they're so intrinsically linked. That's a you great know? point. That's an absolutely fantastic mm. point. Yeah. yeah, but Blind Man Baldwin said it was like kind of tragic comedy. Like, Leia, you didn't forgive Anakin? Well, now you're stuck with another one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah well i mean and it is it's very greek yeah this is very greek and it's in some and it's execution in terms of the family drama it's so greek it's just like oh you can't escape yes. the sins of your father and oh my god like, it's, great. Like, like, it's just like they're really tapping you know, into yeah. that drama of the multi-generational saga right and it's so <laughs> you don't just get mm-hmm. these perspectives of the of the grandparents now you have their grandchildren and whatever the fuck they're dealing with and and they don't you know it's a lot it's a lot like that um uh do you watch bojack horseman not a lot but i've watched some so well there's this one episode Uh where he's like he runs away i think it's it's a it's a you know season opener of mm, i think maybe three Mm -hmm. and he r- runs away at the end of the previous season. It goes to his mother's old summer house on a lake. He's there for months. He's sleeping in the cold. And it keeps cutting back to, like, her, um, his mother's trauma there and his grandmother's trauma there. And it was just, it just reminded me of that in the way that, like, you will never be able to escape your family's trauma because it will, you know, you will inherit it somehow and you'll never be able to explain it. But the yeah. remnants and the pieces of there will always be with you. And it's just about trying to like tap into yourself and how can you fix it for yourself? Obviously, Bojack is super depressing, so he never does. But <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah. what we're going, you know, that's kind of <laughs> what we're heading towards in the sequel trilogy in that, in that regard. Absolutely. I think it, yeah, absolutely. I think that they've turned the Skywalker family into a really interesting exploration of generational trauma, you know, cause they've never truly escaped that, no. you know, none of them have, and they've never properly faced it, you know? And, and I, I think they tried, I'm not saying they didn't try. They made a good college try, but it, they did, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just ingrained in them to sort of revert back to these roles that they sort of had and they needed when they were in those moments of like danger like this is what they had to do and and um yeah i i think that once we finally get to see the hopefully by the end of episode nine we'll really see sort of a beautiful sort of reconciliation with the idea of 
family trauma and you can move past it and Mm -hmm. you can stop it. You know, you don't have to continue that trauma, you know. You know, it doesn't have to be cyclical. And I think that obviously lends itself really well to be being able to tell so many stories within the Star Wars universe but at the same time the cyclical nature gives brings so much pain alongside it um yeah and I, I just found myself kind of thinking about this I would be totally fine if there was no more storytelling past Past episode nine. Until the next installment of the Skywalker saga mm-hmm. in 15, 20 odd years, whenever. Because there's so much to play with beforehand. And yeah, I mean, there's tens oh, of thousands yes. of years to play with be- beforehand. And, you know, they could wrap it up with, with a nice little pretty little bow and, um, and you know, just claim that it's over. And then, you know, Disney, because they want money, <laughs> can turn around and say, ah, bitch, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> that it's suddenly the solo saga, you know? That's that's actually what I think they're doing. Because they're saying the, they're a culmination of the Skywalker saga. And then, yeah, you did name that motherfucker Ben Solo. <laughs> so I see you, Disney. I see you. I get what you're saying. No, I'm saying, yeah, like because they're saying it's the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, and the beginning mm. of the solo one, you know? Because maybe it's not just about informing Han Solo's character that we got a exactly. solo Star Wars story, you know? Like, all of a sudden we're getting all this solo stuff. Sorry. If they didn't want us to care about the son, Ben, then they wouldn't have made a movie about his father, Han. They just wouldn't have. Exactly. The whole point is that they want us to draw these comparisons, and I think as a fandom we're kind of guilty of not doing as many, and that's why I've kind of been doing that a lot on my Twitter as well. Like, with the Han Leia, horny, hostile parallels and stuff. (laughs) I love it. Um... And forgetting for one minute about how Solo did, the movie is intended to show us that Han is integral to the events of the original trilogy and bringing balance to the galaxy and being an instrument of the cosmic force and its will, whether he believed in it or not. I love the use of the force as like a living way to actually spiritually carry that sort of trauma to Mm -hmm. deal with it throughout the family. Like it's, it's it's literally a thing that can carry inside them like it's not just you know metaphorical or you know it learned it's really like yeah there's a cosmic force and it's trying to figure itself out and it's like hey man get your shit together like like i'm tired of doing this every time with you people okay for the uninitiated and because you're more familiar with the cut with the rebels and clone wars um maybe you can do the explaining Mm -hmm. on this one what the difference is between the living force and the cosmic force because obviously we're getting into nerd territory now (laughs) it's a lot isn't it okay can i it yeah it's a lot i'm not sure i even okay well i guess because because yeah no i don't even know if i properly know the separation between the two i guess the living force is the force that's inside all living beings you know every everything everything around us has the force inside of it and and outside of it and it moves in between all things and then there's the cosmic force which is the force that exists because it exists in everyone and then it exists outside of everyone in this sort of galactic wide spiritual sense and it has its Mm. own will that's it sort of exerts over everyone inside the living force. If I'm is that is that an okay? Does that kind of that's kind of how I've No, I agree. It. I agree. And um okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say as well. Like the it's almost as if 
I mean, the best way to put it is like the living force is the co cosmic force's body, and the cosmic force is the living force's mind. Exactly. Think of the cosmic force as its own character. It has wants and desires. Jumping off from uh, Christy Carew, who is a composer, she goes on What the Force quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Jumping off something that she suggested in terms of like the musical score. It's like when you hear the Force theme, especially in the sequel trilogy, and more so than in previous iterations, it's the cosmic force. It's like it's almost like a call of the cosmic force saying, yes, I am into this. Yes. <laughs> Keep First doing all, this. I love Chrissy so much. She's one of my very good friends. Um, yes, she's actually like she was one of the people that I first started talking to after The Last Jedi. And I got to oh, know that's her awesome. Well. So, yes. And second of all, she's brilliant. And I yes, everything she says. Accurate. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, yeah, yeah I, lo I love her. What the force episodes. But no, she's totally. Yeah, I, I completely I love her interpretation, and I, and I think she's totally 100% on the nose. Mm -hmm. It is the cosmic force. Every time you hear that swell of the force music, and it's it's used so well in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think that's honestly like the best way to approach the notion of the cosmic force in the sequel trilogy movies, because mm -hmm. obviously you haven't read any supplementary material. Um, so whenever you hear that theme, you know that's the cosmic force agreeing with what's going on. So I promised that that digression was worth something so going back to our solo discussion in particular the topic of Han's golden dice that he uses for luck mm -hmm. um when I was watching the movie because you know Kira says for luck but I'm like hmm I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call um any of those instances particularly <laughs> lucky <laughs> so I was like okay so then why are we being shown these dice what importance exactly. do they have exactly. and then it kind of then I made that connection with like Rogue One and Jin's kyber crystal that she wears around her neck even though Han doesn't necessarily believe in the force he holds those dice in his hand and he closes his eyes and he sentences himself and he breathes and he finds his balance um he connects, he taps into something. And that obviously feeds into the idea that everyone has some access to the Force, whether they, again, whether they believe in it or not. So, and I think that's what makes his journey that much more significant because he always put his faith, at least in those dumb dice, he ended up exactly where he needed to be. His sacrifice did more for the galaxy than anything else uh you know our force heroes have done so far arguably you know because it would make I, things yeah. again this will begin to make things right exactly no i i completely agree i i i always thought i i know that they like to talk about you know there's specific people who can like wield the force but i think there's a difference between wielding the force and mm -hmm. tapping into the force like you said and I, I 100% think Han taps into the Force. Yeah. I think that the Force is too powerful of a thing in this galaxy, in this sort of storytelling universe, to not kind of see that it's not... I'm not saying that people can't learn a skill or hone a skill, but when someone's, like, maybe a little preternaturally good at something, it's got to be a little bit of that Force coming in. And, like, the way... I think there's a moment in, like, The Force Awakens where he literally just puts the gun behind him and just shoots and he knocks a stormtrooper like yes. you could say okay well he's shot a lot of people and he's very good at aiming and maybe he heard the guy but then also maybe there's a little bit of that force 
that nudges him in the right direction Mm -hmm. and tells him where to go and tells him how fast to fly. You know, when he's in the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back, you know, like that moment where he's navigating, you know, you kind of wonder, like, is that a little bit of the force inside of him sort of helping him get through? Because it knows this is not the time for him to sort of end it. This is not the time for it to be over. He has somewhere else to be. And you know? yeah, and honestly, that's kind of what makes his death all the more powerful because not he had total agency and total control. There was mm-hmm. nothing stopping him from leaving because exactly. I am pretty convinced that Ben pretended not to notice him. He's too much of a powerful oh, yeah. force user not to have noticed his freaking dad was standing behind him. That's why he's walking in the opposite direction. He's like, oh, my Especially God. Especially when there's... Yeah, especially when there's a part where he goes Han Solo. Yes. And Han Solo's like two miles down the road. On a freaking like, mountain. Like, <laughs> you know? It, it, yeah, I know he I, I know he noticed. He didn't want to kill him. No. He really didn't. He gave him a chance and then it was it was over. And that's was that's the thing. Han retained his agency the whole time and it mm-hmm. was intuition and it was his guts that told him to go there. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's how we that's our analog in the real world, but I think in the Star Wars world, that's the Force telling him, "Go." Totally. Yeah. See your son. I I have no reason to believe otherwise. I really don't. Neither do I. Yeah. And I don't think that anything in the movies have shown us that we should believe otherwise. I I really, it's it's sort of the thing. It's like yes, in our world, the idea of destiny and that there's a path for everyone, it may not be that. It, everything may be random and chaotic, but in the Star Wars universe, destiny is real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is definitely a path for everyone. There's a place that it takes you. You make choices, but your choices are guided by something in literally in between all of things and inside you. And so, yeah, like, it just, this is where he was supposed to go. Exactly. You know, and the, the Force guided him to make that choice, but he made the choice... And, and the Force knew this was his time. And I think that he went there fully prepared to die, too. I think that I he was willing to die. I agree. And again, you know, if he had truly believed that his son was gone and that his son maliciously murdered him, he wouldn't have touched his face like that. He wouldn't have. Exactly. Again and again, I think that's that's an act of the Force, that he was able to sense that. He was able mm-hmm. to sense his son's pain and, you know, not besides what he was showing on his face but just you know kind of feeling feeling it um yeah. and and the the hug that he gives to leia is such a goodbye hug mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a like oh, okay i'll see you no, no it's it's a this is it this is the last time we're gonna see each other you know we have to give this one more try i'm gonna bring our son home i'm gonna do it but i may not come back from that yeah and yeah. I love you, goodbye, essentially. That's, that's the exactly. worst part of it. It's heartbreaking. But that was him bringing their son home. Just because he didn't do it immediately doesn't mean that he won't do it. He won't die failing layer after he spent seven years fucking around. <laughs> it, it, it annoys me to no fucking end, this idea that there are people out there like gleefully like anticipating this, this trilogy ending with Ben Solo dead somewhere and like... Leia and Han and Luke sacrifice meaning nothing. I'm like, do you even like these characters that you just say you're so into? Like, why would you wish that on them? I know like, they want horrible. They've been through so much. They just want to be happy. <laughs> exactly. 
they can watch him from the force, okay, as force ghosts, he'll figure it out, they'll all come back, they'll <laughs> stare at him, and be like, oh, he's doing such a good job. My like, little oh, boy. good boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's a realism for Kyler. Good boy. <laughs> like, good boy. like he's a dog. <laughs> he's a sweet boy. <laughs> sad. He's a sad puppy. Yeah, exactly. How do you connect with Ray? Oh, okay. Um, I I love Ray actually. I love Ray as a character, and sometimes, especially after the Last Jedi, I feel a little guilty because I know that I talk way more about Ben sometimes than I talk about Ray. Mm. But I think that's, but but I think that's just because I I I kind of know a bit where her where her because I think that the Last Jedi was a place for Ray to decide what side she was on and what she wanted to do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now the next movie is going to be about her doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, but but Ben hasn't gotten there yet. So there's a lot more to just kind of discuss about what's he going to do and, and how is he going to do it in the next movie, you know? But Ray, I really love her as a character. I connect to um, sort of her... I just think that her and Ben are like the loneliest people in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I connect to her, like, loneliness. I connect to her sort of, um, I don't know, I just, there's just something I find, it's, it's hard, it's so hard to put into words sometimes. I, I put it into words before, but there's just something about Ray that I, I find so powerful and amazing and, and very real, like, and... You know, I know. I remember getting so upset when people were talking about her. But oh, she's a Mary Sue in the Force Awakens. Not Awakened. at I know all. That conversation is has never stopped. Oh. But I don't think she's a Mary Sue at all. I really think that, like, I think that she is a girl that has been through a ton of shit, and she keeps going. And I really sort of connect to that idea that, like, she's been through a lot emotionally, and 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 perhaps even like physically like in her life you know the 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 struggle that she's been in and stuff and and i really connect to that sort of idea that like she's done a lot and she's pulled through and every time she's like i'm strong i can do this and you know and sometimes she's not sure sometimes she's scared to do it and i i connect to that because you get scared like can i do the things that i want to do or should i or you know what i mean but like she she tries again you know, and she sort of goes where she needs to go. And I, yeah, I just, I really, I like really, that's what I kind of identify with her. It's so real. It's not just this generic quote unquote strong female character. She has mm-hmm. depth. She, you know, she hides behind, uh, you know, she represses a lot of her feelings and she hides behind a smile. And oh my God, I can relate to that so much. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just maybe because her psychological issues are a bit like, they're not simple because they're very hard to overcome, but they're very, I mean, at least to, you know, people like you and I who do kind of analyze and assess this stuff, it's very obvious and very clear cut. Whereas with, you know, a character like Kylo Ren, there's a lot more to it. There's, you know, there's so many layers. And because we have that added context of his family history, it just, you know, just obviously gives it so much more depth in that regard. But, you know, I know that Ray will be expanded upon, and I know that we'll get more about her. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's obviously to come. And 
this, you know, hopefully nine is going to be like as emotional as hell. I want so much angst. I want so much struggle. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> ready for it. I want tears. I'll just cry the whole time. And I, I think I know what I love about Ray, and I, I think I just kind of like the fact that she's sort of she's guarded. Mm-hmm. She doesn't trust people easily, but yet she's also, despite that, she's still willing to be helpful. Yeah. And I know this is su- supplementary, but I read the Ray's survival guide. Just the fact that they wrote a Ray's survival guide, and they wrote this idea that like. She's like, I'm writing this because if anyone ever sees this and needs to survive in Jakku, I'm giving you, like, this guide. And just even something as simple as writing it in that perspective, it shows you how, like, even though she's been through hell and she doesn't trust people always very, you know, easily, she still wants to be help, open, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that we all struggle with that, and especially, like, women struggle with that, you know, because we know how easily we can get hurt and, and how we sort of have to navigate the waters of our jobs and daily lives where like people kind of come at us and we have to learn how to be guarded but we you know you don't want to shut yourself off you don't want to be cynical and just like nothing matters and i'll never be open again because then you're not really living you know you sort of just trying to get by yeah i know um but also too much in the opposite direction is it can, it can be to your detriment in some way, but exactly. but it can be portrayed as that in a lot of movies, but it never is in Star Wars, you know? Even if you are yeah. nice, you are ultimately rewarded in some 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 way yeah. at the end, you know? It never... It's a nice... Yeah. It's nice. It's a nice thing to feel like that could be possible. Yeah, it doesn't punish Rey for trusting Luke. It doesn't punish Rey for trusting Ben and thinking that he'd immediately turn back to the light. You know, you can see that she... She's disappointed in him, and she closed the door on him, but the door can always be reopened, But and she's the one who has that agency. I think she can sleep at night knowing that she set him off on a journey to redemption. Totally. And, and I think it was so important to give her that agency and that choice, mm-hmm. to be able to go, you know, I'm shutting this door, I'm closing this, I get the choice to say no to you right now, you know, and, and, and if and when, you know you come back I, I you'll have to approach me and i'll you know and i'll have to in, it, it'll be you who'll have to supplicate in like a different way mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yeah it just yeah <laughs> but that's the thing she's been lonely all her life and you know in movies like the favorite you see like queen Anne, she's so desperate for companionship and she's so lonely that she'll just grab onto whatever toxic relationship comes away mm-hmm. in any shape or form just to fill that void but it doesn't does it and you ultimately end up hurting and it's amazing that she learned that 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 ray learned that and that she knew that like i love what this guy is capable of becoming but right now no i can't you know i can't exactly. accept it she did what, yeah. She did what Padme never could. Exactly. Like Padme, there were times in Padme's life where she should have really shut Anakin down more. Mm-hmm. Like she should have like Anakin, you need to chill. The fuck out. Like you need, <laughs> Bro, <laughs> you need to stop. You need to just full. Stop. But yeah, she never was really able to do that. You know, she had so much going on in her life and her mind, and I think that I don't know. I think I think Padme also just really enjoyed the the sort of secrecy of just having something that was just hers. Yeah. Like, even though, you know, like, like Anakin was, was hard, but he was hers, you know, and he was so committed to her, like, 100%, he just pursued her like a freight train, you know, he's like, I want this, 
I don't care about anything else happening. And she's like, well, what about literally a million other things? And he thought about it for like two seconds, like, yeah, but I don't care. Because mm-hmm. I, I want you. And I think she just, yeah, she just really liked having something that was her own. Because she'd never had anything that was just hers. Like her whole life, it had always been service and, you know, government service. And then, the, you know, when she was the queen and all that kind of stuff like that. And I imagine, like, being in the spotlight for her as well. Not even necessarily spotlight, but just, you know, in the public position. Mm -hmm. And especially that young, she came up, you know, she came of age um, in the public. So she never got that chance to just be herself and have that, you know, have those moments to herself, really. Um, Because I'm sure that she was being closely guarded. As much agency as she had in independence, she always had her handmaidens, you know, and she had her advisors and all this stuff. Whereas her and Anakin's relationship was just theirs. No one else was involved. What do you think when people criticise, you know, again, the quote-unquote strong female character for having romance in their story? Because, like you said, you know, you, you grew up with a lot of romance novels. So, obviously, we already, I think listeners already know our take, but I think this is just worth addressing just to kind of drill the point home. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, well, yeah, I think I, I honestly hate it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Because I think what people, the problem is that I think people go so extreme nowadays. If something isn't always good because it hasn't always been written in the best way or done in the best way that means we should just throw it out and it's like no that's not what that means that means write it better Mm -hmm. that means do it in a better way you know and so I I hate this concept this this new sort of format where it's like romance weakens a female character you don't need a romance and I'm like I think you're talking talking about bad romance you know you're talking about poorly written romance where the the woman's story sort of just gets thrown in you know to the man's story or like her whole story gets diverted in order to tell this romance you know what i mean like that and yeah if you don't want bad romance i completely understand i don't want bad romance but i hate this concept that romance can't exist because i just you know i feel that when you're doing a movie that is two hours long and you have to portray a lot of really strong emotions very quickly you can't sort of the stakes have to be high Mm -hmm. you know and if you're able to portray i was actually talking about this because i was like if you're able to portray like for instance like friendship in a really powerful way think about like the lord of the rings they had three movies to sort of define how powerful sam and frodo's friendship was so by the end it was like oh man they're like they love each other they're friends you know what i mean yeah but they had three they had three movies romance is a way to shortcut like what two characters can mean to each other in a very powerful way you know yeah i i i think it's very effective it also creates high stakes whether those stakes are good for our characters or bad for them it creates a sense of like urgency because these characters are feeling things maybe they don't want to feel or they 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 do feel but then they're separated from each other and you have to kind of it instigates adventure and choices you know like there's a reason that romance exists and i i think that's i don't think there's any weakening of a character if you write them well and have a good story where a romance can kind of illustrate some you know amazing adventure for their character or an exploration of their character with another character and create conflict so that they can tell a really cool story 
Well, that's it. It just it facilitates this um, physical adventure, but also that emotional adventure and opens up all these different avenues for our protagonists, you know, um, to find stuff out about themselves. And by no means it reduces them or their agency. If they want to do something good for the person they love, cool. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that big a deal. But people yeah. seem to make it out to be a big deal. And why is there a need to deny that romance is, you know, can be a great thing? Exactly. It's supposed to complement you, not complete you. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in, in this case, it's a bit, you know, with the whole yin and yang thing. It's, it's, got a, it's, it's got a bit of a different vibe going on with the marriage of the dark or the light side of the force. Still, they do complement each other and they do have their own agency that is never lost. They make their own dumb choices. They make their own good choices, especially in DLJ. I just, I also think that for characters like Ry, uh, Ray and Kylo, mm-hmm. I was going to say Rylo and Kay. Was, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for Ray and Kylo, I think that they, you know, like they have, you know, he, well, Ray has friendships. And she has the resistance, and 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 Kylo has his own agency as well, and stuff to figure out. He doesn't really have any friends, unfortunately. He um, will. Finn's gonna be his will. best friend. They exactly. no, literally, they're trying to parallel Lando and Han. I know it because that I, relationship I started off traitorous. All right, that's yes, for a freaking reason. Okay, <laughs> and they had Finn. If there's a scene where they throw a gun to each other and they're like using blasters at the same time, like Solo. I'll die. No, I'll just be like it's over. I'm dead. Like a lightsaber. And the the adventures of Finn and Ben. Oh. Oh. I'll die. But I think for characters, yeah, I think for Rey and Kylo, like, they need something that's kind of just their own. And I Mm -hmm. think that, like, they have to be sort of each other's, you know? Like, like they can have outside themselves and their lives and their friends, but they also sort of need that connection to tell them you're not alone neither are you like they they sort of need it and, and i i don't think that's codependent i think that's just sort of the setup of like the lives they've led for so long have been so isolated and so like lo- alone mm-hmm. that they need these strong feelings to sort of be like okay i'm gonna pull you you know i'm gonna anchor you you're gonna anchor me we're gonna get through this we're gonna like you're gonna you're we're gonna make these choices and you're gonna and you're gonna help me make the right choice you know them having that force bond is honestly like a relationship saver right because you can you could just talk to each other whenever you like or at least feel how each other how you know they can at least feel how the other one is feeling and you know sense when something is off and sense when something is good and revel in in both of those moments and work through them together you don't get a much better foundation for a relationship than literally knowing each other's every single thought, fear, wish, dream, you know? Exactly. And I think that, I think that, um, even Leia and Luke, they obviously didn't have a force bond, but to a a small extent, they had that communication. You know, they were able to talk to each other at times and look at how much Leia missed it. Like when he was gone, when he was shut off from the force. Leia was really looking for Luke. You know, she probably missed sensing him. You know, knowing that she could sort of get an idea of where he was. You know? Yeah, it's and that comfort, that, right? Yeah, exactly. That that familial comfort. Mm-hmm. And then for them. And then that moment when he reconnects to the Force. And I think that was, like, kind of the moment when he told her about Ben. 
like, I think he kind of was like, uh, I fucked up. Do you think? <laughs> you yeah, think you told I don't the know. I, oh, I do. I actually do. I think that, because there's, there's a line where he's like, um, when he just goes, Leia, I'm sorry. And they, and this is actually kind of an Empire Strikes Back mirror to me, because he goes, I'm sorry. And she just goes, I know. Yeah. You know? And, like, I think that that sorry isn't just, I'm sorry I went away. I think it's, I'm sorry I screwed the, everything up. Like, I'm yeah. Sorry that I made a mistake. I don't know, I just, I feel like he apologized to her before he died. I really do. I read it as she knew that it was his fault. She knew. And, yeah. like, but, but that's more like she could feel it in his heart. She doesn't. In, intuition? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's possible, too, like, that he just, in, but, but I'm saying, like, but maybe he knew that once he opened himself up to the force, she would intuit it. Yes, exactly. Once she felt, you know what I mean? And, and I think that he, and that's why, I think that's one of the reasons why she kind of gave up hope for a second. Because mm-hmm. she kind of had that intuition of, like, you know, either, like, he said it, or, or, like you said, she had that intuition, and then she's like, man, there's no coming back from that. Like, he's not going to look at me, Ben's not going to look at me and be like, oh, mom, like, this is going to be a big old mess. And, like, also, he shot me out of the spaceship. So, like, yeah. I just... So, I think that's why she had that moment when she's like, I know my son is gone. And then Luke's like, no, no one's ever really gone. Hmm. You know? And yeah. I, I do. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I I would love it if she did know and if he did communicate to her. But I think maybe it's just me playing on the safe side for my own brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that... She senses that something went wrong, that Luke done mm-hmm. fucked up. <laughs> so, and whatever he did, he majorly fucked up. And um, yeah, as the, maybe the, the intricacies of that, you know, all those details are yet to be revealed or perhaps, you know, we're just supposed to infer it. Yeah, and I'm still kind of, I'm flip-flopping between the two. That's the great thing about flipping Star Wars, man. You can just, yeah. you can just like have your own little head. You cannons. can sort of read it, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I love it. I love it. But yeah, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about romance, weren't we? And it just reminded me of this, this fan bro who added me like, oh, I don't think if you think that Raylo is real, I don't think Adam Driver is a good love interest because he doesn't play Kylo as charming. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's not supposed to be charming. Exactly. You don't have to be charming to be a love interest. And that's the thing, men just don't understand what women like. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I don't want some uh, fucking obnoxious asshole like, look at me. You're gonna come kiss me now. That's not, that's what none of us want. Even Han Solo in his, in his moments of romance, he he got vulnerable. He Mm. screwed up. He like, you know, tripped or he was like, gave her a face like, oh, okay, princess. Like he got emotional, you know, he didn't stay cocky. Like that, I think the biggest problem is just men have such a fundamental misunderstanding of Han Solo's character. Yes. You know, and I, I think unfortunately some of that comes from like the EU. Because mm-hmm. the EU really plays up to his cocky, like, I'm the pilot, I'm sleeping with women and running oh, around. Jesus. And, you know, it does, it does. It plays it up way more, I think. And, like, it's just the way that he talks and he does certain things. And, and so I think they have this very specific idea in mind of all the coolest parts of Han Solo. And then they forget all the silly, goofy parts that, like, 
kind of is what made Leia fall in love with him. The earnest side of Han Solo mm-hmm. is what made Leia fall in love. You know? Yeah, his not heart. the like cocky. Yeah, exactly. Not the like cocky dude that was just like, look, princess. Like you know, she was like, no, fuck you. <laughs> that made her. That made her kind of like angry, horny. She was like, I don't know why I'm attracted to you, asshole. But then yeah. it was the stuff that was like, oh, okay, I, you're sweet. You're sweet. I see why. Yeah, I see, why I I see you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that moment. And, um, so, yeah. oh, it's awesome. And now, like, because you said, you know, you're obviously too young for Han and Leia. And I think I was at the time, too. And again, really, is like my first deep dive into this. But I've gained, like, so much more of an appreciation for Han and Leia, especially with the new canon books as well. Mm-hmm. Like, in Last Shot, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> when, he, when he's like, so, I just want to cuddle her. <laughs> I just wanted to cuddle me in bed. <laughs> I know. I love it. And yeah, no, Kylo's like, he's definitely not meant to be. He's meant to be broody. He's meant to be... That's so, It's so funny because, like, <laughs> I compare him more to... I just think for women, we've been processing fiction with characters like Kylo Ren for so long. Mm. You know, like, going back to even just TV shows and books, like, even someone like Angel from Buffy. Right. You know, like... He was broody, but when it came down to it, it was just because he was sad. <laughs> like, he was just, he was sad and he couldn't have sex with anyone because if he did, he'd kill them. <laughs> like, he couldn't, like, it had nothing to do with this, like, veneer of cool, you know, that he put on. Like, it was all about, like, oh, I have to go cry now in a corner because life's really hard for me. Like, like that, yeah, like, wh- like, these kinds of characters have been in women's fiction for a very long time. So yeah, this idea of like charming, like what is what do you mean? They mean like their male version of what they think charming. Obnoxious, literally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. like negging and like just Mm -hmm. bullshit like that. And it's like that's not like women find charming like ah you do. (laughs) Like that's ah you do, or like you know when you take your glove off and you're like girl. (laughs) I'm gonna touch the tips of your fingers, baby. Women find charming that little tiny please that comes out of his mouth. And like, the lip like, quiver. <gasps> oh, that's 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 what women find charming. I know. Well literally in the in the movie prior, his own freaking father said women figure out the truth. Always. Always. If you put on this obnoxious front, this cocky front they're gonna see right through it, mate. And that's <laughs> exactly what he, what she did in the interrogation scene. Isn't that funny? Mm. Right, right before he had told Finn, women find out the truth always. And there's Kylo trying to look all like snooty and cocky and like, yeah, I got my shit together. I'm gonna probe your mind, girl. And then all she's doing right back. And he looks he, so shook. Show, he's showing he's off. So, he's, 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 he's showing he off. He is. He's showing off. Yeah. He's just like. Like you're gonna find, you're gonna see how cool I am, and then she just throws him for a loop. He's terrified. He comes running to Snoke. Snoke, she, Daddy, she Daddy. did things to my brain. I don't know what she did to my brain. It's literally because she called bullshit. You, yeah. you, you're, 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 was it? You're afraid you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly. She exposed him. She mm-hmm. Kylo Ren is over partied. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right okay so let's move on uh, you know it's, it's not as if we haven't talked about him enough um, 
<laughs> to our sweet Benjamin Chewbacca sailor. <laughs> Benjamin Chewbacca Amidala. Organa so- Amidala Organa Solo. Oh no, don't forget Nabiri Skywalker. Oh, right. <laughs> so many names. Chewbacca being the most important one. <laughs> oh god, okay. So, why do we stand him so? Why? <sighs> Let's count the ways, right? <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, you know, there's something about him. There's something about that he's he's trying so hard. I mean, on one level, I can't lie. It's sexy that he's so powerful. Like, he's got mm-hmm. that force power. That force mm-hmm. power can't be denied. He's strong. Mm-hmm. And when he, do- when he wields it right, he looks real good using it. He dresses well. I mean, sometimes he dresses a little monk-like for my taste. There's a lot going on. It's like, like his <laughs> uncle Lando. He invents yeah. the caves from his uncle. Exactly. But in the second one, you know, when he's got that prince looking suit on, he's got that doublet kind of thing going on for him. Like that's that's good stuff. He has like nice fashion sense there. And then yeah, just I think that he's just such a complex character. And I can't we can't deny that part of the reason we stand him is because of Adam Driver. Like Oh yeah. It, it Anyone else denied. Yeah. It's his performance is so inextricably linked to what we love about Ben Solo. Absolutely. And the way way that he can take his face and these tiny expressions on his face just make you go, oh my God, what's going on inside his head right now? Like, what's he thinking about? (laughs) You turn all mushy and girly, you're like, what are you thinking about, Kylo? I want to know your every inside thought. (laughs) Oh God, (laughs) he's just getting like giggly now. I am, right? Kyla, are you sad today? Let me hug you. Let me stroke your beautiful hair. You know what I always take away is that shot from the director and the Jedi yeah. where they just have that moment where they're spraying his hair. I'm like, who? Yes. Who? Ryan. Ryan. I, gave I you the see right. you, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan's like, I will cl- I'll approach him from every angle, ladies. Like, up, down, scroll up, the hand touch, the hair. Like... Literally, it's like, <laughs> I am going to get your panties wet. <laughs> that is why I'm just as some woman edited that documentary and was like, okay, this shot is very necessary. This <laughs> shot's very necessary. Click, 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 click. <laughs> they cut out like an extra second of Carrie Fisher just to put it in. <laughs> just to put it in. You know, and then when Ryan's like in the corner, like, Adam's so good. Like, everyone's <laughs> in love with Adam on that set. They're like, he's so good. He's just so good. I took his clothes off because he's just so good. He's like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I showed him. So I showed everyone his giant packs just because he's so good. <laughs> oh, oh my god, the female gaze is amazing. <laughs> I've just gotta it's say, it's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. I know. To have that in that movie, yeah. It's his slave layer moment. I didn't even think we were getting one. I didn't. Mm. I, I guess we were right because we knew that Ray wouldn't get one. But mm-hmm. little did we know it was going to be Leia's own freaking son. Because uh, he's literally a slave to the First Order in that sense. Because yeah. and he's a slave to um, the negative emotions uh, that kind of cloud everything. And he's a, he's a slave to Snoke. Um, <clears throat> so it just kind of, it works on such a different level. It's incredible. It does, yeah, it absolutely oh. does. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> I... S- <laughs> I was gonna say I saw a really funny tweet. I cannot remember who tweeted it, but they were like, "Disney, oh Ryan, I want to take Adam Driver's shirt off." Disney's like, 
You can, but his pants would have to be stupid high. <laughs> Ryan, I can do that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. And okay, I'm sorry, what were you saying? He still made it so hot that I don't understand. <laughs> like, it, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't Cause that, work. Because when you focus on it, that zipper goes all the way down. Does like, it? See that zipper? Oh, yes. That oh, zipper man. in the front, it's a long way down. <laughs> oh. It's right to the bottom. Oh, God. No, I've been terrible. Like, I've watched it, like, maybe about ten times, and... The last time I saw it on a big screen was in the cinema because I've watched it on my phone and my tablet and my computer. Mm-hmm. But I need to like sit down and watch it on my TV, get the full yeah, experience. Yeah, watch on your TV. You'll get yeah, watch on your TV and like HD, and you'll see that nice that zipper line that like just like right there. You heard it first here here on you to know. <laughs> <laughs> that sweet sweet kind of zipper content. <laughs> okay. And why should he be redeemed besides his name literally being a marriage of Skywalker and Solo and Rey and Ben? But carry on. I think he should be redeemed because I still think that we need redemption stories in fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think we like redemption stories because redemption, redemption in real life is so fucking hard and complicated and messy. You know? Mm-hmm. It's nice to have it in a story where we have two hours to, we have, you know, the series to explore, we have two hours to watch it, and and we get that good feeling, like, this can happen, this is real, people can be redeemed. I think we need that hope. Star Wars is about hope. I think we need hope. You know what I mean? Like, the world is a fucking mess. It's one of the few movies where it's just, like, things are about hope. This is about, like, you can be better, mm-hmm. and you can change the world and you can change yourself. Yeah. You know? Like I, we need that. I just simply think that is why it's important. Like this cynical, like non, like, Oh no, he's going to die. He's going to get stabbed. I'm like, I just, I'm like, no, that's not what star Wars is for. <laughs> that's not what star Wars is for. If you want that, go watch Marvel, literally. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. I think a lot of people take let the past die, kill it if you have to, as the core thesis of The Last Jedi when it is not. It ain't. In my opinion, you know, my humble one, it's, it isn't too late. Ray's the one who says that, yeah. who, who, who uh, gives the true message of the movie. It isn't too late. It's never too late, in fact. And, and and Yoda, the greatest teacher of failure is. Oh, God, you know? that like, scene yes, makes me fucking you, cry. Every time, doesn't it? It, like, evokes a lot of, like, emotional shit for me in my life. I'm like, my life, the greatest teacher, all my failure. Like, I start thinking, I have this, like, terrible thing where, like, I cycle through all of my life choices. And it then Yoda, and then, eyes. like, it does, yeah. But, no, it's so important. Because he, it's, like, he's saying, like, you can fail, you may have failed this time. Yeah. You didn't bring him home. You didn't bring, but but it's it's teaching you something. Like what is the first time Han couldn't, Han started to bring him home, but he couldn't bring him home in that moment. He wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Ray, you can't bring him home. He wasn't ready. And then the 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 answer is he has to bring himself home. Mm-hmm. The greatest teacher. You Failure know what I mean? Like, is, yeah. Exactly. And exactly, it's just a reiteration of it. It's it's an expansion of it isn't too late. So it wasn't too late for Luke to redeem himself in that moment. Luke in TLJ is a redemption arc. I don't give a fuck what you say otherwise. That is a oh, redemption totally. arc. Not oh, as in you, absolutely. as in like people. No, no, <laughs> I know you. No, no, yeah. Oh, absolutely, 100%. He's, he failed. Mm, big he failed time. Terribly. He made, 
he actually turned to the dark side for a split second. Okay. And, uh, yeah. He had a moment of fear. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a real moment of doubt. That moment, more than anything, when he ignites the saber, and we may never truly know the full nuance of what happened. We won't, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the beauty of unreliable narrators. I love that aspect. I know a lot of people find that unclear, but to me it's like gorgeous storytelling, but whatever. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, in that moment, we, we see he is Anakin's son, and he was yeah. just as susceptible just as susceptible to the dark side as Anakin was. He might have been more resilient in some moments, but not really. Oh, no, I was going to say absolutely 100%. And I think that both times, and he is Anakin's son, because in that moment, what is he afraid of? He's afraid to lose his loved ones. Mm -hmm. He's so afraid that he's willing to kill. Yes. To do what he needs to to save them. Hello. His own nephew. <laughs> not... His yeah, own exactly. nephew as well. Like he loves I, I have no doubt that he loves Leia more than anything. And yeah. he was willing to kill the very thing, you know, her something that she brought into the world. You know? Nothing would From be more beautiful child. to him. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And um just as Anakin was you know, he had his mind messed around it with by Palpatine. Luke had the same thing done to him by Snoke. He thought he might have been immune to it, but he wasn't. Again, so like that hubris goes beyond just being high and mighty. It's Luke as well thinking, you know, I'm not like the others. I'm different, but you're not, mate. <laughs> you didn't learn from and, the and past. It's, it's actually also the second time that he's given in to the dark side because the first time was in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he didn't behead Emperor Palpatine is because Darth Vader stopped him. Mm-hmm. And, but in that moment, it worked out for him because he had someone to, like, intervene there and the force to be like, no, this is not, this is not the choice you should make. Yes. And he had to learn that in that fight, but he, but it, it, it was almost over for him. Like, if he had decapitated Palpatine, like, where would he have gone from there? Exactly. You know yeah, I mean? it would have been, a, it would have been maybe his, like, Dooku moment, you know? Exactly. As in Anakin killing Dooku. But yeah, and also that shows you that he had so much more to learn. He wasn't ready. He still wasn't a full Jedi Knight then. And I don't think, I think it's erroneous to say that there's a definitive stopping point for learning um, in any aspect of life. But I think, you know, it's definitely more emphasized in Luke's story. And um, I was talking about it on Twitter today, like, Return of the Jedi is pretty low on my ranking. There's not that much characterization in it. But the mm-hmm. bits I love is when Luke gives in to that rage and it just consumes yeah. him. Never! <laughs> that bit makes me yeah. cry as well when he's like, don't take Leia from me! I'm just yeah. like, yes, you fight for your sister, bitch, even though it's not the right thing to do necessarily. But I want more of that. And that's why TLJ Lucas is like so perfect to me. I'm like, yes, I'm finally seeing everything that was missing from Return of the Jedi come around now. This completes his hero's journey, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, 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 all of my favorite parts of The Last Jedi are, are definitely like the emotional parts where he's like exploring. Like he's, and I don't know, I always cry when he's like dragging his father like through the ship to be like, mm. I can do that. I can save him. I'm like, I, I always cry. I know. Because it's just like, you know, it's like such a, he wants his father so badly. He wants like recoup all the years that he lost. And it's like, there's just no way it's over, you know, but he can get this one moment. And, and it's yeah, sad because I almost feel like he's moment. trying to do yeah. it. 
Yeah, and he's almost trying to do it for like himself and Leia to be like, look, Leia, our dad. Like, look, here's our dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a good daddy. Yeah, but he can't. He can't do it. And yeah, I totally think. Um, I love The Last Jedi Luke so much. I think this is some of the best work Mark Hamill has done in, in ever in a movie, and I, I loved it so much. And I, I just, it makes me, sometimes it makes me really sad, like, that people can't see it, and that they just shit all over it. Like, sometimes I just feel sorry for them. I know. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I get angry, you know, because I get annoyed, and I get tired of hearing their bullshit, mm-hmm. but sometimes I just really think about, like, I feel sorry for you, that you can't see how beautiful this is, this character right? send-off. You know, I, I don't understand how you don't get, like, the power of the moment of him walking out and he's facing down these, these you know, ad-ats and, and he's facing his, his nephew down and he, like, does all of this and he it's this, and then that moment where they sh- shoot back to him floating above that rock. Mm. I mean, that is just like a... I remember the theater, everybody gasped. Everyone was like, oh! What like, the was, fuck oh! is happening? Yeah. yeah! It was beautiful. Like, it was such a beautiful moment. And then, like, yeah, there's so many moments in this movie that I cry, I, like, more than I cried in the last six Star Wars movies. Yes, I agree. That I watched over and over and over again as a kid, because I watched the OT over and over again as a kid because I love them, and then, then I watched the PT mostly because my brother loved them, mm. and he made me watch Phantom Menace eight million times. <laughs> uh... <laughs> What's your favorite pod racing moment? <laughs> I have to skip past it. I'm sorry, I cannot do it. But it's cool I, if you like the PT. I like. I I really love no, people no, no. discussing it. I I find it I so become, interesting. I've become much fonder of it mm, over the years. Same because I've begun. I've recognized that I really do enjoy. I think the story of Anakin's fall is very. It's much more complex than people give it credit for. Yes, and the failings of the Jedi are much more complex than people give it credit for. And Revenge of the Sith is a very emotional film. Like, there's something, like, really heartbreaking about watching, like, Order 66 go down. Yeah. And they're, like, killing all the Jedi, and you're like, oh, no. And then poor Yoda is just, like, Uh, that that moment where he, like, falls. Like, yeah, like, that's a great moment. And, like, and there's some good storytelling. So I've become much fonder of it. I remember I used, when I was younger, I kind of fell into that, like, that's, I think that's the other thing, too, is that I when I first saw the prequels and I was sort of disappointed in them, and there were so many vocal, angry voices about it that I was kind of like, oh, yeah, ha-ha, like, yeah, this shit sucks, ha. You know, because I was, like, young when I saw it. But then I was kind of like, I don't want to spend all my time, if I don't really like something, I'm not going to spend all my time shitting on it. You know? No, it brings on. you no happiness, does it? Exactly. I'm just going to, and, and especially since the Star Wars fandom was so toxic. And I hated the way they treated, like, Ahmet Best, and I hated the way they treated... Um, Hayden Christensen and, I and hated Jake the Lloyd, right? Jake Lloyd, I hated it. I I was like, it's one thing to be like, okay, you don't like George Banks, you think he's an annoying piece of shit, whatever. But like, but but like, say, but even that, like, it's a minute to be like, okay, I don't like George Banks very much, right? Mm-hmm. And then to just consistently, just constantly attack the performance and the person and the actor, like, and like as a kid, even when I was younger, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like doing this. I don't see the point. I, I, they're not my favorite things in the world, but I'm going to move on. And sure enough, as years have passed, I've grown much more fonder, much more fond of like watching them again and going, oh, okay, I see what I like here and what I don't. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I rewatched it recently. I think because what I love is that, you know, TFA is obviously like a love letter 
to the OT. It does have PT references mm-hmm. in there for sure, mm-hmm. but it's definitely more of a love letter to the OT. And then uh, TLJ is, a, I feel, is a love letter to the PT. And again, Me I'm too. like, yes. So I went back and I rewatched them. I'm like, yeah, they weren't great, but. What I saw having, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Like, Lucas had some fantastic ideas. He fucking predicted how democracy would literally go down in flames, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think he obviously, he had these great ideas and these great concepts. But I think since Fox were like, yeah, just do whatever you want, because these movies are going to make yeah. mucho dolores, right? So, yeah. um, um, he needed someone to kind of help him tie those threads together and he didn't have that whereas he did have that for a new hope and um empire so that's where it kind of falls short but it's fine you know we're getting we're so lucky that we're getting the number one thing i wish that he would have had is a better script writer for the dialogue yes yes yeah, That's he needed a script thing. doctor. Yeah, I honestly think I could have put up with a bunch of Trade Federation discussions <laughs> for the first half of Phantom Menace. You assume too much. Had, I, <laughs> if you if he just had better dialogue, especially in the romance scenes, I was like, man, George, George, <laughs> please, George, come on, like. <laughs> Like, to make poor Natalie Portman give a wooden performance. Natalie Portman is a fantastic fucking actress. Oh, yeah. Don't make Natalie Portman give a wooden performance. Like, she's struggling with this dialogue. Oh, my God. I don't. I don't. Yeah. It's just... It's it's a hot mess, but it's like it's fine, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. Uh, you've got those rose tinted glasses on now. You know, you can just enjoy it. Like, but I was just like watching it to pull apart the themes that they were trying to relay in um, TLJ, and it was very interesting in that regard. I I didn't cry at all, but I until because I was about to tweet that I. Uh, yeah, I, wa- I watched the PT, like, each movie three days in a row. And mm-hmm. I didn't cry at all. But then Leia was born. And then you heard Leia's theme. And then I started crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love Bale and Brea so much. Yeah. So much. So, yeah. When they hand, like, Luke off to um, his aunt. Oh, yes. His uncle. Oh, yeah, God. That, that, that's an emotional moment, yeah. Oh. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> and I, I think also too, just like Ewan gives a really good performance when he like has to mess Anakin up, mm-hmm. and I like I hate it. Always makes me sad the way he walks away, like at the end when he's like I and when and Anakin's like I hate you, and he just like walks. I'm like oh, oh I know. Only one. <laughs> only one. I don't know because obviously it was what the cosmic force wanted in a sense, but yeah. was it the right thing to do? And be, you can't blame him for walking off and you can't no, blame him for then... I, I do love this retcon, though. Uh, you can't blame him for regressing back into, like... Because, yeah. obviously, he let Padme and Anakin's relationship slide and, like, you know, I loved you. You were like a brother to me. So he allowed himself to have those emotional attachments and then he obviously goes then goes on to blame himself for allowing himself yeah. to have those attachments and stuff. So... And then obviously regressing to the old ways of the Jedi and, and the OT, I just I was like, oh yeah, that's good. That's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, there, there's some good, good threads there. But luckily we are getting it expanded upon anyway, so I can't be too salty. Like I'm gonna devour Master and Apprentice when it comes out. So you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not mad. Yeah, no, I I don't I don't think there's any point to be mad. I think mm-hmm. that I'm 
really kind of reconciled and made my peace and I enjoy it now. Like I will if I watch them I will enjoy what I enjoy and you know, fast forward what I don't enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pod rights for me. <laughs> exactly. Like I just I just I, I see no point in, in ever just dwelling on the sour. And I don't know how people make an entire like career out of that in their fandom. I just think it's oh, very God. depressing. Yeah. <laughs> There's that guy with that Last Jedi awful username. I'm like, why? Uh, Just get a life, man. It's like... so exhausting. I, I think, and you know what it is? I think I just forgot. Yeah. That, like, when the prequels came out, there was so much toxicity. And it never really went away. Like, it kind of died down, but it never really went away. And then I realized, like, there have been people who have been shitting on the prequels for the last 20 years. And now there are going to be people who will be shitting on The Last Jedi for the next 20 years. That's just... I can't, you can't believe that's what you're chosen to do with your life. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that. I don't know whether having the complete story will make people appreciate it more or the nostalgia will colour it better in some people's eyes. But it's just, I cannot be bothered. I'm not going to argue with these people or anything like that. You know, we've only got so much time left. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So I want to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. I think that... um, I think that there's a very vocal minority, and I think that's the problem, is that the vocal minority makes them they themselves so loud that you feel like this is everybody. But like looking at it now, I see so many people who grew up with the prequels when they were young, much younger children, and they love those movies. And there's tons of people like that. And I'm like, that's what's... Nothing you say is going to matter to those kids that are watching the sequel trilogy now in 20 years they're gonna love this and the people that appreciate it now are gonna continue to love it mm-hmm. and you're just gonna be co- annoying and you're gonna eventually fade into the background you know like you're not gonna last like your negativity is not gonna stay in the public eye exactly i mean it's it's the whole thing of you know not fighting what you hate saving what you love and like mm-hmm. as corny as it sounds like love will endure better than hate will um, ultimately, and I, I guess that's also like a core message of Star Wars, you know, <laughs> holding on to that exactly. hope, holding on to love and compassion. Um, and obviously, that's what the Jedi flipping lacked, and they ruined everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to do, you know, to veer into like some more. Um, I th- we were going to keep it very simple, listeners, but mm-hmm. that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Whose fault was it? Who I, should we blame? I think we're both to blame. I think we're both we to blame. Because I remember I was, I, was like saying to, I was saying to Daddy, I was like, let's keep it simple. Not everyone who listens is going to be a real old redemptionist or like in, in the Star Wars fandom. But, you know, it's, it's Star Wars, man. <laughs> it's Star Wars. Like, you know, so, I mean, some people, they just like rattling off um, ship names as in like ship ships. Um, mm-hmm. people like us like to overthink things and over- and read into things too much. <laughs> we just don't stop. Once you get us started, you know, you, you, good luck shutting us up. But, um, I love it anyway. Brings me joy. Me too. Kind of going off the whole idea of this will begin to make things right. And, um, Ben being the Skywalker to fix all the shit of the previous members of his family I kind of wanted to go one by one and we don't have to go like too in depth but just to kind of um assess how we think and what we think 
he will fix and how Ray will act as a facilitator to fixing fixing those issues. Because I kind of believe like he is this mm -hmm. manifestation of all this shit that has <laughs> gone on and that needs to be resolved and fixed. Um, I don't know if other people share that theory, but to me that's, that seems like where the story's going. So um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with his parents or do you want to start with Anakin? Or Shmi? I mean, I mean, Shmi did nothing wrong. Hashtag Shmi did nothing wrong. But um, yeah, yeah, Shmi did nothing yeah. wrong. 100%. So, shall we just start with the with the with the older people and and go down? How would you prefer to do this? Okay, sure, sure. No, and yes, again, you have the added context of the Clone Wars. I do not, so I am looking to your insight, and I hope to learn some things today. Oh gosh, it's been a really long time since I watched some of the Clone Wars, but okay, yeah. Um, yeah, it's more than I know, mate. It's more than I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've only watched the Mortis arc, literally, and the first episode. That's what I rewatched recently, is the Mortis arc. Okay, so we'll start with Padme, mm -hmm. because she has less, she has less um, of our attention, unfortunately, and we've only just got m more of an insight into her mindset with Queen Shadow. Um, I haven't read it yet, but it is in... You know, it's downloaded. I'll get to it someday. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so where do you think Padme messed up? Or what do you think Padme struggled with that Ben and Ray might be able to resolve? Um, I think, I think, I, I think we mentioned this earlier. I think she just... Yes. She struggled to check Anakin, I guess, on her, rather her relationship. You know, mm -hmm. like, I I think that she, she struggled to have work-life balance, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> like, and, and I think that there were moments where she saw darkness in Anakin and she didn't really know where to turn. And this is so mm -hmm. hard because I'm not sure how much of this is really Padme's fault as a character or the fault of how she was written, you know? It's tough. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like they gave her some agency but not a lot she's and that especially at the end you know with what happened to her character and her fate i, I just i yeah i guess if anything it would just be like maybe having a healthier relationship having one you know where you sort of check a person's darkness you don't sort of let them just kind of fall to it having <laughs> you know that would be the only thing i could think and then, and this maybe, yeah, just also maybe for Ray having the, unlike the agency that Padme really didn't get mm -hmm. in terms of a character is written in that relationship, um, she'll have more, you know, already we see she has more, she has way yeah. more choice and decision making Definitely. over this relationship. And, and that may actually just be a correction of, of the writing, the narrative than an actual character flaw. Yeah, I mean, I and I think to bring it back, it does also, again, this will begin to make things right. I think it's just everything keeps coming back to that opening, that opening line for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't read Queen Shadow, but I listened to Sky Talker's episode on it because mm -hmm. I wanted to know. I don't really mind being spoiled. I know the end of a story anyway. It's about the journey. It's not really about, you know, the plot points for me. Mm -hmm. It's about the emotional journey. And... Um, from what it appears like, you know, she has these two very strong identities, right? So first she's Queen Amidala, then she's Senator Amidala. And those are both so work-focused, right? Mm -hmm. And then you 
when does she get that time to be Padme, whoever the hell Padme is? And I guess to her, that is with Anakin. But was it really? Exactly. Considering how controlling he was, considering how bad a husband he was. <laughs> so, um, again, you know, d- reconciling those three aspects of her identity, I don't think she ever succeeded at. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's obviously very, very relevant to the idea of, like, Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. Because... Kylo Ren is intrinsically part of Ben Solo, but he's also this mask. You know, just in the same way that Padme had this white, you know, geisha-esque makeup applied to her face and, and wore these headdresses and stuff and this heavy, intricate clothing. And it's meant it completely, to, to yeah, yeah. disguise her so she doesn't look as as herself. She looks like something, mm-hmm. like a figure, like a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a representation of, like, ruler versus, like, an actual, you know, individual. Yeah, it's more like it's more evocative of this legacy of Padme and mm-hmm. Padme the rather than Padme the person. It's Padme the ruler. But again, so now we have Supreme Supreme Leader Ren, right? And he's donning the head the um the mask again. And as with Padme, they are both optional and they are both um purely cosmetic. They don't serve any function. Mm-hmm. You know? As Whereas with Vader's, obviously, he needed that to survive. Agreed, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd, I think people do overlook the Ben and Padme comparisons. And I think this is why I'm really interested to read Queen Shadow. Because, again, that they've got that split cover on the front, right? Yeah. Between her naked face and that made-up face. My only concern, I, I want to read Queen Shadow as well, but my only concern is E.K. Johnston has kind of said some shitty things about Kylo Ren in the past so I no I know I wore I know I think they might have touched did they touch on that in the Sky Talkers I think I wa- I listened to the second half of the Sky Talkers episode but not the first half did they touch on that at all the controversy to like address it or I don't think so no okay. but for me um I know story group yeah you know are gonna yeah they're gonna whittle things into shape anything that isn't kosher they're gonna get rid of and she's obviously not gonna be allowed to editorialize in that way Mm -hmm. and also the way that story group at like reading books that came out say before TLJ like Journey 2 whatever you can see that whether they were dropping in that um foreshadowing right and so the way I'm just going to address it is like I know that story group have input input elements that are meant to make us draw parallels to what's happening in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. and most importantly with our protagonist and regardless of what E.K. Johnson thinks it's there whether she likes it or not it's there so you know, that's, you know that's she can point. throw a, throw a, yeah she can throw a hissy fit about it all she <laughs> likes I don't give a shit so yeah. That's I mean, a good point, and and you're right. Even even if she doesn't necess- even if she didn't consciously write for it, the parallels exist because they're ru- the way they're writing Ben. You know, they mm-hmm. were obviously thinking about those parallels in Ben and his entire family and the Skywalker family. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, because obviously, every like like we said before, everyone's drawing those comparisons between him and Anakin, him, mm-hmm. him and Anakin, etc. But like, what about him and his let him and Leia? Mm-hmm. What about him and Han? What about him and Padme? You know, it's there. It exists for a reason. Um, so yeah, I I have complete confidence in the story group. So that's why 
you know, as, as much as it sucks, the whole E.K. Johnson thing, it's just like, okay, it's just one thing. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to let her write a story in a way that's going to contradict their themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hope, yeah. She's going to be a New York Times bestseller after my endorsement. I haven't even read the blooming book. <laughs> um, so... Okay, so let's go to Anakin. So this is a bit of a heavier one. This is a, yeah, this is a lot, but I'll let you lead. Oh, where do we start? Um, you can have some time. <laughs> I, I just think, yeah, I mean, I, let's, let's not even go to, uh, there's other, uh, obviously the aspect of like, you know, turning away from the dark side. And, and sure, that. sure. But I actually think that maybe he'll... I, you know, that's the question that finish what you started. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, and I, I, I know some people don't agree with me, but, um, it wasn't, Anakin didn't start a, a plot for galaxy wide domination, you know, to take over the empire. That's what maybe he thought he wanted, but it's not necessarily not necessarily what he wanted. It wasn't what he started. Um, the emperor started that, not him. So, and the only thing that we know of that Anakin started so far, unless you can point me to anything particularly Clone Warsy, I don't know, was that he wanted to desperately save Miss Padme's life. I think that's really been the through line. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, you know, if you only know the movies, you get that sense, but. In the, in the comics, especially the recent Charles Sewell Darth Vader series. Which I love. You that, have to read it, lads. Oh, it's, mm. yes, it's fantastic. That is right in the forefront of the entire arc of the series. Yeah. Is his desire to bring Padme back. Still, even though he's all scarred and his body's more machine than man, he still desperately wants to bring her back. Because he recognizes, like, she's, like, this piece of his soul that's left. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, and I, I don't know whether he realizes this or whether he's just denying it to himself at that point in time. Um, Pat, if she were to be resurrected, she wouldn't accept him like that. You know? It would, she, it would have been the same rejection over and over again. You know, I guarantee that she would choose death every single time over being with Vader. And that's, it's so sad because I think he kind of knows that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, when she's like, not my Anakin. Of course, because it's not her Anakin mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and that kind of leads me to think that, like, we do need that more of that. I don't want to say heroic, but because it's, it's a loaded term, especially, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the whole obnoxious charming lad that men seem to think that we want but you know we need those heroic moments for ben in order to fully redeem him in the eyes of the general audience yes yeah because i think Raylas as a whole as a whole and you know even there are some ben Demptonists who are not necessarily Raylo, but like whatever you know i think the two are inextricably inextricably linked they're inextricably linked i cannot speak I cannot speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it is like two o'clock. So, so, so guys, um, it's fine. I'll have a line. Um, but um, even in our community, we've already redeemed him in our heads. And we have to take a step back and realize that, you know, 
he's not redeemed. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the anxiety that, like, when I'm like, everything's going to work out. I'm like, oh, but I don't know, because the general audience has to buy what we're selling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, we do have to take a step back. And, and he does, I, I think he can do heroic things without being obnoxious. Yeah, no, 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 I totally. May, I trust I trust. it may AJ. come down to saving people, you know, saving the resistance or even just destroying a bunch of first order ships i think i really think it's a lot people people go how how could he do anything and, and people really don't recognize how if you set a movie up properly how easily the audience will forgive him mm-hmm. you're for right so many things he's done in the past if he just does one or two big things you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's a yeah there he is and, yeah, I mean, it's already been told to us that, like, saving Ray in that, mm-hmm. in the way that he did in the throne room, as amazing and as sexually driven as that scene was. Think about, think about that scene. It was think selfish. Yeah. He, sa- yeah, he saved Ray, and I remember watching that movie. Everybody cheered. They were already ready to forgive him for Absolutely, killing Absolutely, yeah. The they surprise was that he wasn't ready to turn. Exactly. Yeah. The disappointment was that oh no, this isn't what we're it isn't what we think. Mm-hmm. He's not just gonna take her hand and ride off into the sunset together. No. You know, but they were already there. The audience was already like, yeah, together. This is the best fight ever. Like, it's not that hard to to put that in the movie. It's exactly. Really exactly. Because not everyone is a freaking OT fan boy. <laughs> You know, the general audience is, you know, they don't think over this stuff. They're just, if they're told to feel something, then they'll feel it, which makes them sound kind of dumb, but it's not. It's like, it's, it's suspending that need to overthink and overanalyze everything and yeah. just enjoy the beat of the movie. Think you about know? someone like Loki, who's killed thousands of people. And literally, and what, stabbed his father, like, right? Exactly, and now everyone's like, Loki, Loki, my... they're crying because he dies in Infinity War. You right, know? yeah. Like, it's not that, it, and he did, he killed, he probably killed way more people than Ben Solo has. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know he's on the side that killed a few billion people or a trillion people with planets, but he didn't actually push the button himself. Loki pushed the button. Loki was like, yeah, open up that portal, send the Chitari down destroy everyone you know and loki and derived him. yeah and he derived enjoyment from that as well exactly you know it's and whereas you had ben saying you know supreme leader i can get the map it, you know he's trying mm-hmm. to stop more systems from being destroyed i mean this is what yeah. i mean by saying like this trusted their audience too much because you know they're asking us to read between the lines a little bit which i love doing but i know that like not a lot of people do which is fine but they Some people, end, t- yeah. I think once they once episode nine comes out, mm. I really think they'll. St- oh, oh, you'll see a lot more like general audience like oh, oh, oh. It makes sense now, yeah, way. yeah. I, I just I want him to have that heroic moment and, and you know. I don't know. I don't know whose life he could possibly save, but you know it would be nice if it was Ray. I guess, but I want him to, yeah, I need him to have that selfless act. And that also means it can't, it can't be anyone that he befriends either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can't be him saving Finn. Although I want him to save Finn. I'm so ready for Finlow. I'm just like, (laughs) I I think it might have to be something 
someone in the resistance or a part of the resistance like for you know what i mean like ray will have to see him like a ship's about to blow up some resistance ship or something and he'll have to use his force to like and she was like oh my gosh yeah i mean (laughs) that's kind of like it's made me connect the dots between in tfa he stops that blaster belt and yes. then in the TLJ novelization, he's like, I could have stopped that torpedo from hitting the Radis, you know, mm-hmm. to, for, I don't know, you know, for readers who don't know what the flipping Radis is, uh, for listeners, sorry, who don't know what the Radis is, um, it's the ship that the Resistance are on, and, you know, the the TIE fighter uh, blows Leia out. So in the in the Last Jedi novelization, um, we go into his internal th- thought processes just a tiny little bit, but we, we take that food, we absorb it. Um, and it says that, you know, if he had been, you know, if he hadn't been overwhelmed with all this emotion that he felt coming from his mother, he could have stopped that torpedo with the force. So you saying that has me thinking that maybe we're going to see him stop a torpedo. This is what I mean by the story group dropping things in. It's, yeah, it's a setup. I think it's Mm -hmm. there. I really do. Yeah. Which would be It just seems so, exactly. You, I, I, I'm begging JJ, like, don't waste the fact that he can stop blaster bolts. Like, don't mm. waste that. Use that again. Use it with something bigger. Like, I want to see it. Because you have Poe in that moment. He's he's all bloodied and being dragged across the sand. Mm-hmm. He's not in. He's not very comfortable, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. But even then, you see his face and he looks in. Uh, he's like, whoa. He's he's impressed mm-hmm. by it. And exactly. yeah, uh, to me that's leading. To me, it's so obvious that it's leading to something. But um, in, in, yeah. imagine like a really sexy hero moment where he like does that and then there's a big explosion behind him and he sort of just slow-mo walks to Ray. <laughs> oh I god slow-mo those, in Star right? Wars <laughs> slow not you know not real slow-mo just like you know just because of the it's a trick of the light there's a lens flare and it's like <laughs> uh, you can try I don't think JJ's not ever like heard Arm- of those <laughs> not like Armageddon slow motion <laughs> Aerosmith rises up <laughs> don't want to close my eyes <laughs> no, that's no, that's no. nine now. <laughs> if it's not that, I'll sue Disney. <laughs> Dang it! Get the rights. Call yeah. Steve Tyler. <laughs> no, I mean, it, was that was that a 20th Century Fox movie? Does that I make Bruce was. Willis a Disney was princess it? now? <laughs> I think it was. It must. I mean, it must be. I mean, 20, 20th Century Fox does flipping everything. I'm just anything that's Fox now. I'm like, oh, they're a Disney princess because this deal is so grim. But you know, we won't go into it today. It's very grim. Yeah, yeah. But um, the best you can do is laugh it off and just assume everyone is a Disney princess. You know, um, it's Buena Vista. That's Walt. It's Disney. Yes, that's it was Disney, Disney anyway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Bruce Willis is a Disney princess. You heard it here first. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton too, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and Ben Affleck. Okay, you know, that's it. That's the exclusive stuff you get on you all tonight. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. So moving down, should we do Han first, or should we do Leia first, or should we do Luke? Uh, for other mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, I think let's do Han. Okay, I love this. I love this so much. Uh, Go first. Ben Solo has made me fall in love with Han Solo like 10 times more. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. In TFA, when he's introduced to Finn and Ray, you have 
Han Solo, the smuggler. No, the rebellion general. So right there, you have those two conflicting identities. I'm like, yes, yes, give me those parallels. <laughs> he could never fully reconcile the two. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you have last shot as well. Like, he's, you know, he's, when he's at home, he's yearning to be out in the skies. When he's out in the skies, he wants, again, he wants to be spooned by Leia. And, you know, he wants to be with his little boy. His little baby baby boy who was almost murdered by a calf droid and <laughs> oh that's so sad oh don't oh my god oh my god <laughs> anyway carrying on oh man i think learning to reconcile the two however, however they managed to do it and kind of going you know jumping off from your millennium falcon discussion which you should all listen to by the way people what the falcon represents is hope freedom a home you know it has a it has a flipping bed it can go wherever it needs to go <laughs> um it's true. yeah so i yeah i think i absolutely i think that han han the the, the focus of han's dichotomy that they've played up is so important mm. to that story it's that, that that he will find balance in the two sides of himself you know like yeah unlike his father who never could and his mother similarly too who never right. could because they all this. yeah they all regressed Leia regressed mm-hmm. back into that diplomatic thing and swallowing her emotions I mean everyone praises Leia to that but I think it's to a fault you know she never yeah. allows herself to have that time to grieve which is what I really appreciated appreciated about the TLJ novelization as well like she did have that time to break down at the end yeah it makes me wonder if they're gonna do something like that in nine. If they can, if they mm. have the ability to do I it, I hope they love do. That. Yeah. I want him, I want Ben to break down about Leia. Like I don't know. I just I want Ben to break down about his family. I want that angst. Oh no! It I has to that, happen. Like, I want that. Like I'm so sorry, Dad. Kind of thing. Well, because he's doing the you same know? thing. Yeah, he's doing the same thing as Ray. You know, like yeah. you know, let the past die. But like that's repression. He's repressing mm-hmm. everything. And um, it needs to come to the forefront. It needs to bubble over, but it doesn't need to destroy him. It just needs to um, mark a fundamental shift and change, you know? That mm-hmm. transition from Kylo to Ben. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, Leia. Leia's an interesting one. Um, I think I think Leia, yeah, it, it's, it's similar, but... Mm. I think it's it's also politically. I think it's it's bigger because Ben might do what Leia has been wanting to do for so long, which was kind of unite the galaxy. You know, mm-hmm. start that new sort of government shift. Where I think there's I think there's a big hole in the galaxy in terms of like oppression because there's still so much slavery and child soldiers Absolutely. and all of that kind of stuff and I think that that is a big open wound in the galaxy and I think that as long as that stuff isn't addressed then we're, you're not going to get balance or peace you know and I think even the Jedi failed at that because the Jedi sort of just accepted like well some people have slaves and I was like no mm. <laughs> like, that's, that's not okay to think that <laughs> like that's not an okay idea yeah, and that kind of passive action from the Jedi 
it's what yeah. it was their downfall I, you know we were talking about the cosmic force and the cosmic force does have a will but the cosmic force puts you in a place well i say you you know a character mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time uh, but it is ultimately giving them a choice it's saying you can do the right thing or you can do the wrong thing i've put you here it's up to you now you know and the jedi yeah. were there to enact the the will of the cosmic force but they weren't listening to it um and you're right like they've definitely emphasized that you know with planets like what what's the one uh Wabani? wasn't it like the empire destroyed and that was in layer of princess of alderaan and oh, um, um yeah 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 i can't recall the top of my head though. um so but it's... no yeah but there's uh, and also in bloodline right that you know yeah the new republic new republic was neglecting or there just was no representation at all in for certain yeah. planets yeah mm-hmm. and there and there was still gangster rule yes on certain places and yeah i just i think the biggest thing is just the amount of there are still so many like orphan children and there's still so many people who are sort of being exploited and enslaved and i i think that there's I, I think that leia's leia's goal really was to end all that yeah. she tried to do it diplomatically but she kind of, you know, got bogged down and just, it's hard to government, you know, it's hard to govern. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and so, yeah, I think, I'm, I'm hoping that Ben can take it further, you know, like, I don't know if they'll let him be of, like, a leader, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, but I don't know. He could maybe take down the sort of the, I think, I think his, he's there to kind of rip down the last remnants of the Empire. Because the First Order is still a tiny tiny little piece of the empire right yeah it was literally born out of the ashes of the empire right so um yeah it's about eradicating those ashes i mean they were a little bit literal with those blooming ashes and tfa (laughs) that birthed something called ashgate that i haven't i I haven't quite wrapped my head around but i'm not sure i want to oh yeah what is ashgate i don't know (laughs) let us know if you find out yeah. I think it's probably like people say, oh, it's so problematic. He has ashes of his enemies. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I think you can let it slide. Um, yeah, with Leia as well. I was going to say something. Yeah, besides her, you know, obviously he functions for her as as a, a channel of forgiveness for for her to forgive Vader as well, to forgive her own father which, you know, she pushed down all this way. So it's about her learning not to let the past die um, in that sense um, and moving past the past, <laughs> just kind of uh, taking those lessons and, uh, you know, evolving. But obviously they're limited by how much they can do, unfortunately. But um, I know that they're going to do what they can, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. An old Lukey boy. Oh, Lukey boy. What are we gonna do with well, you? Um, I think I think just I think he's gonna approach forgiveness. I guess I don't know. I think yeah, like maybe maybe he'll the Luke mistake is approach forgiveness in a different way and not allow himself to maybe make the choice not to sink into the darkness and unlike Luke who keep who sort of made the Anakin choice for a split second like I have to protect my family by any means necessary maybe he'll realize there's another way it's not just about stabbing people with a sword mm-hmm. the laser sword mm-hmm. you know I yeah I, I, I it's it's tough because I, I yeah I feel like 
he has to make those choices that Luke made. I mean, Luke was a hero. Luke was always a hero. He sort of, like, flew down a, a, a darker path, but he was never not a hero. You know, I think, like, the coding in him was hero. He had a redemptive arc in TLJ, but I, I, I never think... I, it was always more, like, to redeem himself as the hero we all knew him to be. Yeah. Kind but, of returning... Yeah. It, it, kind of marks in the hero journey like hero's journey like returning home right so and that's obviously it's not finished his hero journey is not finished he's gonna don't worry fanboys he's gonna have some time in nine don't worry about it so (laughs) yeah and i think that obviously his arc ends with that final conversation with ben to talk it out and then some people say like he'd he'd appear with he'd appear to ray but i think he's said everything that he's needed to yeah. You know, they had no the personal could, connection. The only thing but... he could say to Ray is, "What give give my nephew another chance? He's not gonna." That's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, give him a chance. He's a good kid. Like, I don't think that's that's yeah. Ray doesn't need to see him. No, maybe like I guess if she has a moment of weakness, but Ben needs to see him. Ben needs when he. It's just too telling. It's like see you around, kid. Oh, exactly. You can't yeah. Leave that dangling. You can't do it. No, exactly. He's literally told us what's flipping out. That whole end sequence was it like the rebellion is reborn again? The war's not yeah. over, and I, I will not. not be yeah. Able to shut it. You know, obviously that's it's it cuts to Poe, Finn, Ray. But all that time, he is still looking at Ben in the eyes with so mm-hmm. much love. I mean, I don't know. Mark Hamill's just been Mark. I don't know. We'll, we won't talk about it. Regardless of his own personal feelings, he still like managed to portray that love and that compassion so well. Like tapping, again, tapping into what the Jedi could never do. You know? Yeah. And so... in. Kylo is, you know, Ben is going to be at the heart of the war, the rebellion, and he will, and he will also be a Jedi once more. He ain't escaping yeah. it, mate. He's getting redeemed. I, I, I think that Jedi is meant to be plural. Yeah. You know, I really do. Yeah, because you don't say Jedi's, do you? I mean, no. Yeah. So you're right. It, everything with the sequel trilogy, man, I love it. They're really playing yeah. into that from a certain point of view crap. On that, exactly, yeah. the wordplay. Because mm. you can have one Jedi or many Jedi, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, yeah, exactly, is that the question? Is it just Rey or is it Ben? You know, will he bring that up? And then even in in his description, I think in the Star Wars databank and stuff, they talk about how he is, he has, he has, he was tra- trained as a Jedi, but he also has influences in the sith like he has a mix of both yeah you know that's all there in him so yeah there for for use in the future that's super mortisy isn't it that bit where anakin is like drawing on both sides of i mean it's represented very literally i guess because it's a kid show right so you have like I mean, for people who haven't seen it, just go look it up. Just three episodes. You know, you can make some time to watch it. Um, I did. So um, you have Anakin literally like lifting his arms up. Half of the sky is black. Half of the sky is white. And he's drawing on both of his powers. I've forgotten what he's doing. Is it like accessing a temple or something? Um. Yeah, he's like, he's, oh, oh gosh. Yeah, he is. He's pulling. I think he was, wasn't he trying to like resurrect Ahsoka too? No, no, he no, opens something for the when sun. when the daughter dies. He opens, he opens something for the sun. Yeah. And he does. He pulls something down to open for the sun, right? Oh, 
It's late. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I remember. <laughs> Listen to Who Talks First episode on Mortis. You know, Courtney's obsessed with it, so it's probably better to listen to her. Um, but yeah, so it's not something that we haven't seen before in canon, which I think mm-hmm. is important. And they're definitely drawing drawing from the animation department and, you know, planting those seeds in there. I'm sure that George was planning to pick up on them at some point in the future. I have no doubt about yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, we've gone through all the family now and now it's we're getting to the end-ish. We're going to do some a little bit of speculation, quick fire speculation. Could be totally okay. wrong, but what I'll do is I'll drag Danny back after Nines come out, then we can have a nice in-depth conversation then and freak out. It's just going to be us screaming yes. for two hours. It'll be fine. Totally. Yeah. I'm crying and being like, oh, we're right. Or, yeah. Okay, so since Benny Boy is donning the mask again, but we, from concept art, leaked concept art, sorry, spoiler alert, I guess, um... It's got this kind of crack that's. it looks kind of lavery. A lot of people are making uh, comparisons to Kintsugi. But I guess like the literal interpretation of it is your cracks are showing, mate. You can't hide from yeah. this much longer. So, yeah. So do we think we're going to get Ranpura or Benpura? Just, I think you can pretty much infer what those mean, uh, listeners. But just in case you don't, I don't know. I just feel like I have to explain. Ranpura, evil dude. Benpra, nice dude, benevolent. Okay, so what do you think we're gonna get? Benpra or Renpra? I think we're gonna get Benpra, but more just because he's depressed and sad. Mm, <laughs> interesting. Like, I, I don't think it's gonna be. I, I'm not sure it's benevolent rule. I feel like it might be apathetic rule. Yes. You know? Okay, I'm gonna expand on this when you're done. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I just think that, like, I think he's. I've written. I've, I've talked about this. Like, I've explored it when I've like written like fic or like talked about the idea like what where I would go and that. I think that he's just gonna sort of let Hux run wild a little bit, except on him, you know. But there's so many other ships that are out there in the first order right now sort of doing things and trying to take over planets i think he's just gonna let that go and he's gonna sit in his room and stare at his darth vader mask and hux is like oh you have to rule this whole thing and he's like Bleh. <laughs> That's what i, feel like I am an ex i concur wholeheartedly I think exactly the same. It's literally, he's going to be moping. And Hux is like, well, someone has to fucking do something. So, yeah. So (laughs) what we're going to get is we're going to get the illusion of Renpra. Because obviously that, that again, that passive um, action, we saw it before in TFA when Circular Base was first, um, I don't know if ignited is the right word. Initiated, I don't know. Initiated, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he watched it. He just sat by and he watched it. And again, that's we were just talking about how when the Jedi did that, it was completely fucked up and wrong. So again, we're going to see that him regressing into that, not making a stand, not doing anything. He's the most powerful dude in the galaxy. And we're definitely going to watch him like slump and sit by as Hux, Hux being Hux fucks everything up, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure. So I agree. So it's going to be like a little bit of both, but a bit more complex than that. So it's just going to be like Renpro by name, really. Yeah. Yeah, because exactly. really we're getting Supreme Leader Hux, I think, uh, which is terrifying. Uh, um, so um, at what point in the film do we think he's going to he's gonna officially make that transition, like 
for sure. Because, you know, we said we're going to, we, we definitely think he's going to be stewing a lot. He's going to be moping. But when's he going to say, nah? That's honestly a tough it is, I know. This is why it's speculation. Because, exactly. Because yeah. it all depends on like the kind of journey that they're planning for him. But I honestly feel like it might be in the all in the just past the middle. Mm. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like he might it kind of seems like I don't know. Richard E. Grant is definitely playing like a first order. Thing. Oh yeah, that was definitely you know that was I mean? leaked, wasn't it? Yeah, and, as well. Yeah, and I mean, but obviously, just look at Richard E. Grant. Like he's playing a first order. I uh, know, but he's such a sweetheart. He, I love he it. He is he's such a sweetheart, but he has first order dude look oh, when he puts on, for like, sure. you know, a suit and, and so the serious. accent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I, aware I of how, how evil we sound. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he's gonna. Um, I think there's going to be sort of dissension in the ranks, mm-hmm. and I wonder if if that isn't going to lead him to, to 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 reaching out to Ray. I don't know. This is just the toughest thing. He said, "I know that he will be redeemed. I just can't. it's so hard for me to determine the path of how." I I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, he'll he'll go into exile because he'll be ousted because he won't be ruling properly," and that's I think that's definitely a poss. Not I don't necessarily think it's going to be. He might not be like in you know, totally exiled out there, like, in the wilderness of space, like, by himself. I, but I think he might, I don't know, start to feel out of control mm-hmm. and, and reach out. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there'll be something, maybe there's something that is just so dangerous he recognizes that he just can't, or, I don't know. Like, it's hard, and it's hard to talk about this without talking about leaks. There was a, remember that guy that uh, went to the shareholders meeting, that really sweet dude that was describing oh, yeah. it? yeah. And he said there was that moment where Ray is like, it's too, when Ray says, it's too dangerous and yeah, I'm going like, alone. Yeah. I totally think she's about to go talk to Ben Silva. Mm-hmm. Like, is it, is it just me? I, I think she's going down to talk to him. I really do. I think that he's like, I need to talk to you. And she's like, oh shit. And Poe's <laughs> like, you're not going by yourself. There's no freaking way. I don't know. I, in my mind, that's, that's what's going on there. I don't know how that point will get to, but I just feel like. Yeah, I think I think somewhere mid to late end of the movie. No, but that definitely draws on those connections that were and those parallels that were established in TFA when you had mm-hmm. how he was treating Poe versus how he was treating Ray. So yeah. Poe knows his different side to him. Poe doesn't know him like Ray does. And Ray knows that he would never lay a blooming finger on her. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, it's chill. You can freak out as much as you want. I know you won't touch me. And also, if you do, I'll take you down, bitch. So, exactly. yeah. yeah. She's, um, not a, she's not scared of him. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know that was a difficult question to answer, so I really do appreciate it. Um, but I do like the idea of self-imposed exile as well, because then he's still, yeah. he's still, you know, removing himself from the situation. He isn't actively doing anything to change it. So, because I want that redemption journey to start again as early as possible yeah exactly i want that character development i want that alone time i want him to yeah we really do need alone time with him like desperately um uh but also um i forgot to mention this in the in the notes so sorry but um again with like the whole 77 minute magic magic moment marker thing so yeah yeah, like with the special editions of the ot and the pt and they've continued to continue this into the sequel trilogy like 77 minutes like um a completely life-changing um or um moment happens or something that will impact the entire um 
trilogy that it's in. So if we go back to Revenge of the Sith, at 77 minutes, that is when Anakin gets down on his knees after Mace Windu has been killed and he pledges himself to... um, To Yeah, exactly. You know, yes, master, you know. And um, then we have 77 minutes in TFA, and that is when Ray and Kylo meet for the first time. Our little, like, oh. then uh, Tchaikovsky, Romeo and Juliet start swelling. And, um, um, that's a real thing, by the way, YouTuber. Um, yeah. And then 77 minutes in TLJ, which is, like, the best. The hand touch. <gasps> the hand Whoa. touch. Ooh, that gave me chills. Yeah, right? Wow. Yes. Yeah, honestly, you need to like crack your copies open and like fuck, yeah. do it. I swear to you. I'm yeah. one minute seventeen um one hour seventeen minutes exactly. On each wow. one. Seventy seven minutes so exactly. Then, yeah. So then then it might be right there, one hour seventeen. Which which would be right what I said, yeah. mid, like a little bit after the middle. Exactly. But I think because we've had we had the meeting we had them joining hands so it has to in i feel like it just has to involve ray it has yes, to it does it does but this has me thinking how oh my god how you know like um and that yeah that has me really excited but i just i don't know i don't know whether i'd want it to be a kiss that early or something else or like a full grabbing of the hand you know um yeah. i don't know or like the reop the reopening their force bond or I've, yeah i was wondering if it could be that because your next question was who's going to open the first force bond mm-hmm. and i think i think it's going to be ben mm-hmm. i think he's going to come crawling back yes like baby baby help me out please for you know i think <laughs> i think i think that um yeah i think it might maybe it'll be the reopening of the force bond possibly which will be tough because i know it'll be like a whole you know we won't have seen it for a whole hour and all the railers are like oh when is it coming but um and that's when we'll all like cry across yeah, the globe we'll, we'll just be all our but tears I, I, yeah i think it's possible i think it's possible you know because i think if, if if we get a kiss and i'm, I'm sorry i'm jumping ahead but uh <laughs> We can we'll, never mind. We'll talk about the kiss in a second. Okay. But yeah, no, I think I think it's gonna be that. I think it's gonna be like if it's that. I, I think something like that. Something big between Ray and Kylo. Hell and yeah. Like, definitely something about them. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um. Okay. So I think, and I think this is pretty much general consensus that there's gonna be one more adversarial duel between. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, love interest because there has to be hello it's fantasy mm-hmm. um it's enemies to lovers light um i think it's a lot more intense in like normal fantasy but you know they did still try to kill each- no 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 actually he hasn't tried to kill her she's just tried to kill kill no. him several times um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um so who do we think is gonna win this time because i think someone has to I think he's gonna win. Yeah. Oh, of course not. It's gonna be romance novel one hundred and one. It's gonna be that like moment, the knives at the throat, that it's heated. They're breathing heavy. They're, the like, sweat just, like, dripping off their yeah. foreheads. And she's like, she's like, do it, do it then. And he's like, I can't. And he's gonna turn it off and throw his saber exactly oh, throw yes. it into the forest yes <laughs> like I want that so badly 
<laughs> I want that so badly. Oh my god. Because I just know that Adam Driver could play that so well. That, like, moment. I'll die. I'll die. Okay. <laughs> you know, literally, can... we won't even live to see the I'm... end of the movie, will I won't. we? I will be dead. <laughs> I, I already told... I said... I'm sorry, I have formally, officially, before the movie has even come out, I apologize to anyone who sees this movie with me in the theaters. So I'm going to be a mess. It's gonna be, oh, I'll be screaming and crying and ah, it's gonna be so bad. Oh, uh, yeah, and then especially when that flipping moment comes, the angst. I mean, this is JJ Red Herring Abrams. What do exactly. people think they're gonna get? Is he's not like Ryan? He ain't gonna tell you in the trailer. So nope. <laughs> he's gonna make you think. Well, he whatever he's gonna do, it's gonna be the opposite of what we're gonna get. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's why I think we're we're all kind of universally excited for like super evil Kylo Ren to be portrayed in the trailer in the trailer yeah yeah I mean I mean I'd love for them to employ some of that modest marketing um um honest marketing honest marketing um mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's gonna happen again red herring Abrams exactly yeah I feel like it'll happen after nine like all of a sudden they'll be like romantic vanity fair spread who oh, would have thought sure. like who would have thought the, the most shocking twist <laughs> of a Star Wars trilogy ever literally us like, freaks who flipping zoomed in on a picture that Ava Devine yeah. <laughs> took of Vic exactly. Mahoney's office exactly. and to find the roomy poet <laughs> <laughs> Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, no, us losers. We thought. <laughs> <laughs> we thought. We thought about it. Hell yeah, we did. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, and do you think that there'll be a Raylo kiss? I think, this is what I think. Because I'm trying to, like, give some small piece of my cynical heart. Like, I'm trying to protect it. Mm-hmm. I'll say, if there is no Raylo kiss, I don't think there will be romance. I think they have to go big or go home. No, because I'm saying even if the kiss is, and I don't think it's going to be chased, but let's say they gave us a sweeter kiss, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has to be like lips touching because I, I think they have to define they are together. Like they love each other. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, I think that they have to put it there. They have to if spell it out, don't they? Pers- yeah. If, if they're going to pursue it. And also just because I feel like Ryan and Kylo deserve it. They deserve to kiss. Like, I know. They worked so hard. You know, know, like they struggled for so long. Let them kiss. I have no doubt that John Williams influenced that closet scene in solo you know when you have that kind of that very traditionally romantic music right yeah it's not it's not you know it's very like old hollywood very like the swelling strings and stuff it's awesome but they've gone there i don't see why they can't do that again and i just you know i I said this in the notes i don't want it to be stolen so many of star wars kisses are stolen stolen exactly yeah and i just want to have that moment i want in the Falcon, the sun is rising, romantic, like, kiss each other. Like, yeah. Do you know, like, we total... have all the time in the world. Exactly. Like, Grease moment. They kiss, and then Danny and Sandy, like, fly off into the car. <laughs> into... They're in the Falcon, and they Star fly Wars off. is Grease. You heard it. Exactly. Back. And they're all just like, we go together. Like, <laughs> that's what I want. Music by John Williams. <laughs> exactly. I want. I want it to. I want it to be romantic. I really do. 
Oh, uh, no, for sure. Yeah. I will not accept anything less. For me, it's like fundamental to the story. Without Raylo, there's no Ben Demption, or without Ben Demption, there's no Raylo. To me, they're just so intrinsically linked. And I just, I feel like, okay, even if we know, like, let's say we know, okay, the romantic ending, but they don't give them a kiss. I think that that for the end of time, to the end of time, people are going to be like, no, because they didn't kiss. No, because they didn't kiss. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, I can already hear it or see it It's a general audience thing. They need to see the lips touching. Yeah, this is what we were saying before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just to, like... Because they want to market it as the end of the Skywalker saga. Exactly. They need that. Then that contributes to wrapping the present up in a bow, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, to me, it seems like they've been slowly leading to something quite intense. Because yeah. I, I don't know, like TFA, you had that, you know, the interrogation and the bridal carry and stuff. And then you go to Rogue One, you have the lift, the lift scene and the beach. And yeah. then you ha- you go to TLJ and you know, you know what happens in TLJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we have that. And, but also, you know, regardless of Ray and Kylo, but we have that kiss with um, Finn and Rose. I love yeah. I love that kiss so much. It, again, I mean, it's stolen. But my favorite bit about it is like when kiss, um, kiss when Finn slightly slightly like puckers his lips yes. but after after yes. the kiss happens he's so taken by surprise he's like he's what like, what oh. yeah no that's so cute <laughs> i noticed that too when i rewatched it i'm like oh, oh. he kind of goes like oh i could do a little more of that like <laughs> yeah and he's like yeah he's like oh no no don't and that's go. Me, i think that rose and finn are the very sweet love story that i was expecting between ray and finn when i yeah first, didn't know but cinnamon think, roll yeah exactly but mm-hmm. ray and kylo are pure sex okay when Ooh, he kisses yes. her he's gonna grab her and she's gonna grab him right back. oh my god yes so be, mm, the fire I'm just, so we've I'm, got that kiss yeah we've got that kiss in tlj then we have the solo closet scene which woof, oh, woof. yeah, yeah exactly. man and that's that was very like risque for a Star Wars mm-hmm. movie because you're Absolutely. like yeah, you're in like a closet. We all know what happens in closets. Like yeah, <laughs> I mean, and they had that flipping shot of the bed beforehand. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. oh my god! Like, what are you trying to say, Rod Howard? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you foreshadowing in the future? So that's like okay. So obviously that that's what they've been doing. I can see what you're doing, Kathleen Kennedy. I know what you're doing. Getting <laughs> people comfortable with a more sexual element to amen the romantic relationships yeah but mm-hmm. and i mean there was there was very sexual tension between han and late and that kiss in empire strikes back it was oh, yeah. very like you know like i you know i happen to be a nice man i happen to like nice men i'm a nice man he's like no you're not. it's very like <laughs> it's very it. sexually charged you know oh yeah and i think they're trying to get that back like th- this is this is sexually charged like obviously it won't ever go uh, too far because this is star wars and it's yeah and it has to be yeah but we're going to let you know as much as possible. Like, yeah, this is going up. So that's why I'm so excited for whatever they're going to do, because it's going to mm-hmm. have to top the solo one. It has yes. to. I want it to. Mm. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is, this is our Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might not. <laughs> they're going to have to take Raylos out of the theater on stretchers. Like, <laughs> call the police <laughs> the coroner's gonna be like short on staff 
numerous women faint at episode nine. <laughs> They're gonna have, they'll have ushers like wheel over IVs. <laughs> would you like some, would you like some popcorn with that? Do you need a fan? How do you get a fan? Yeah. Like fan yourself. Oh my god, yeah. And then they suddenly start misting you with water, like calm down, calm down. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Um and so I think we've already answered this. Who's gonna make the first move? We both think Ben. Like a yes. good Adam Driver grab, right? Yes. Oh man. Oh man. I think I'm she'll ready. I think she'll like present herself in a way that like he'll know, okay, it's Yeah, right. yeah. But like she'll like uh, like she'll he'll be like, Okay. And then yeah, he'll just mm, he'll just mm. Just do, just do what he does best, man. <laughs> and I just saw him in Burn This. So oh, did I'm you? Having, yes, I did. So I'm having visions of him kissing her. Uh-huh. <laughs> How was the like, purple kimono scene, which I've read so much about? Oh, 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 oh. I watched, I watched that whole play with, like, biting my lip. I was like... <laughs> and then, yeah, that scene is like, you don't expect it, and you're just like... And you're laughing because at once it's silly because he's like in black tube socks and a purple silk kimono. But on the other hand, he's wearing nothing but like black tidy whities And you're like... I cannot oh. wait for that to be turned into an AU. It's going to happen. <laughs> I, I'm very interested. I'm very excited to see it happen. Yeah. I know Lady Valkyrie went. She's like an amazing illustrator. So I might have to, I might have to like commission her to draw it or something. Draw the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and our last questions. I know you're gonna cry after this. This has been a. I was both planning on this show being an hour. <laughs> that didn't work out, did it? Um, my husband's so, like, me like, Are you done? I'm like, <laughs> Excuse me, you cannot stop the railer. <laughs> it's a dangerous slippery slide. And we haven't even scratched the surface. This is the sad part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This could go on for hours. It's, oh, it's absolutely. Okay, part one of this question. Will they tell each other that they love each other? And part two, who's going to say it first? You know, I wonder if they'll... I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning whether they'll actually say the three words, I love you. Mm. And maybe, but they'll say it in another way. You think you know we're I mean? not going to get another I love you, I know? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm honestly, I don't know. I, we might. I, I, if they pursue the romance, it's possible. But I'm just sort of thinking, like, when would it happen? You know? And, like, I mean, it could. It I really want an epilogue, and I think I've convinced myself that there's going to be, even though I have yeah. no evidence to, to suggest. I mean, maybe the Rebels finale. I haven't even seen it, but I know that there's an epilogue. And again, you know, to copy Sky Talkers, look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars. <laughs> so, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, if they do. So, you know, you. I know that you watched The Man Called Noon. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we talked about that. In, uh, we uh, we did a rebel order about it, and I almost wonder if they do a scene where let's say Ben we think Ben is dead, but he's not, you know, like yeah. a false alarm, like a red herring scene. What if there's kind of a moment where he sacrifices himself, quote unquote, and maybe Ray will say it as he does it, or he'll say it first, 
Maybe he'll say, that would be good. I love, maybe he looks at her and goes, I love you. And then like dies, quote unquote dies, but doesn't and really then die. Skip you know? ahead. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I do love that bit. I mean, in the man called nice? Nudis, yeah, it yeah. would be so good. The man called Nudis is a pretty dumb film, but that, that uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dumb. But like, oh, I just love that bit where he goes, "What was that thing you said? Let the dead past bury its yeah. dead." Oh, so good, so freaking good. I hope we get an "I love you," but I do kind of like the idea of them like doing that hard layer thing of not mm-hmm. saying it back to each other, but maybe saying it each end of it. Yeah. I think yeah, but I think wherever the I think the I love you has to be something like in an emotional part because it all, oh, it yeah. usually is you know it's usually like somewhere emotional so yeah if if Ben sacrifices himself like obviously like not gonna die but we think he's gonna die because I don't think he's gonna die no um, JJ, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make <laughs> JJ, any sense no nah, nah, nah. listen nah. Now, come to your house JJ where. <laughs> <laughs> With with Kylo's own lightsaber. Exactly. No, it doesn't make any freaking sense to me. I mean, Starkiller Base is one huge blooming metaphor for him, yeah. and it, it it literally turns into a, a sun or a star, mm-hmm. whatever, however you want to put it. Sun. They put it as a sun in the movie. Mm-hmm. So exactly, it's so the the whole sun with a U, sun with an O, um, parallel. And exactly. so you have a new sun. And birth. then you have, and then you have, if you, uh, what is it? Um, Leia used to say, "Hope, is, hope like the is like the sun." Yeah. If you if you only believe in it when you can see it, you'll never make it through the night. Yeah, like mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Like totally. I, and I just yeah, how romantic would it be for him to like I don't know fall in a chasm or like run into an explosion, but just like look at her and go, "I love you." <gasps> I mean, again, I I would hate. I mean, not. <laughs> I mean, not hate, but I think I would just kind of like. I don't want it to be stolen again. I just yeah. want them to have that. Well, I think if, yeah. you, if you steal the I love you, the kiss won't be stolen. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? It's like a, like, yeah, I get what you Because maybe she could be like, oh, Ben, ah! And then she like goes and saves him, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like they kiss in that moment and it won't be stolen because it'll be like they're acknowledging, okay, I do love you. And maybe that'll be how she shows him she loves him by kissing him. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. like after he's, you know, quote unquote resurrected or like, exactly. you know, it's revealed to be all a... Uh, a little uh, trick and a little illusion all along. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, I think we're going to leave it there because we, <laughs> the episode is like two hours and four. It's longer than The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think that's a pretty solid indication of just how much we love Star Wars, especially the sequel trilogy. Thank you, Danny, for joining me Thank today. Thank you so much for having me. And replacing the uh, the the Caribbean in my life <laughs> in the form of grace. <laughs> I mean, that just you're interchangeable now. <laughs> I told her like, if I ever go away, you need to find someone who's like half Pakistani, half Iranian. Just have her slot in for, for my half half Indian, half Afghan ass. It's fine. <laughs> um, Okay, so you can follow Danny on on Twitter at Cardigan Vixen. You need to read her thread on um, Vic Mahoney's uh, mood board. It's um, kind of dissecting everything. If you don't know the story behind that, Ava Devani went and visited her in uh, London, Pinewood Studios, took a picture of her office, said there's nothing spoilery in here. Lo and behold, the Raylos found like a billion spoilers. So <laughs> just, a, just a, you That's know. That's what we do. You can't, yeah. you can't tell us things. You can't. 
Don't, don't no. tell us there's nothing there. We'll find something. Exactly. We we that, we see through your bullshit, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but where else can uh, people find you? Um, yeah, just all, all, my podcast is Rebel Order, uh, and it's at Rebel Order Pod is my Twitter, and um, I think that's where I'm most active right now is Twitter. I also have a um, a Tumblr Creations Vixen C R E A T I O N Vixen, but I'm. Unfortunately, not as active on there ever since the porn purge <laughs> mm-hmm. and made everyone leave. Like, it's been sort of uh, dead. Yeah, it hasn't been great. I've 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 yeah. been doing the same thing as well, and um, you can follow me at Sarah Zahim. Um, I'm sure you already know how to spell that because everyone knows how to spell ethnic names. Um, you can follow Grace, who is dead, at Grace Simone. <laughs> you can follow the podcast at You Ought to Know Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I mostly do Twitter. Grace mostly does Instagram because she's better at Instagram than I am because I forget to use it. You can buy us a coffee at ko fr com forward slash you ought to know and thank you to Emmett for buying us a coffee we don't know what we're going to do with the money yet but I'm sure we'll split it on a chocolate bar um, and also go to iTunes and give us a five star rating even if we don't deserve it because of reparations for uh, colonialism um, <laughs> <laughs> both, in the, <laughs> both in the Caribbean and in India and the war in Afghanistan, which has been going on for much longer than 2001, mate. Read about it. Read about it. You owe us a lot. <laughs> and also go buy Danny a coffee while you're at it as well. Also for reparations. Exactly. For my Trinidadian Jamaican island, please. Yes, please. Okay, it was lovely having you on. I am going to go to bed now.